welcome to a very special, very brain punk bonus episode <laughs> of Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name, dear listener, is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I'm having what I think is the most visually brain punk beverage. It is a Dogfish Head 90-minute Imperial IPA. Yeah. If you feel so inclined, look at the bottle art. It looks kind of brain punk. There's a guy with a clock on his head, and there are alarms ringing. He looks like an other. I'll say that much. I'm trying to be as descriptive as possible uh, because <laughs> this is an audio medium. But there is a guy on the front who has uh, what seems to be a cool hat with like a clock embedded in it, like an antique clock. It's a little yeah. steam. It's a little more steampunk than brain punk, but definitely oh, has okay. some brain punk elements. But he does look like another. So I, I got. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The creatures in Scarlet Nexus, yeah. the game we're discussing today. I'm drinking some red wine uh, to go along with some red strings, which I won't explain till the spoiler section. <laughs> uh, but that was as much thought as I gave it. <laughs> If we really wanted to be peak brain punk, I would have gotten white wine to kind of complement the hair color and the palette of the game. Oh, okay, yeah. But uh, I don't really like white wine, to be honest, so I went with this. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Should we I'm talk sorry. more about what we're drinking? or <laughs> <laughs> The mouthfeel on this is really brain punk. <laughs> the mouthfeel, it's liquid. Uh, I'll tell you that much. It's liquid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about Scarlet Nexus with you today. We've mentioned it now twice on the show. Somehow, by accident, we have brought it up in the style of duo protagonists. <laughs> I picked up the game first and shared my first impressions on the show a few episodes ago. And then you got it and also shared your passion for the game. Yeah. It's a game that I think this past month or so, I think we probably spent the most time playing. And I think kind of like our Ratchet and Clank bonus, it just made sense to make it this month's bonus because it was like the game we felt compelled to finish. Yeah. And it's also a game, despite its flaws, it's a game we really feel like the need to champion a little bit because I think that there's a lot going on here uh, to really celebrate. Yeah. So you said you said a thing. So this is the second episode we've recorded today. But you said a thing when yeah. you're done recording the first episode uh, that you were like, I want to get into this. But I just I just want to seed it here. You said yes. this, is, this is a game that's going to have an incredible sequel. Yes. Uh, and I, I am so with you, which is one of the big reasons I want to do a bonus episode on it. It's like the more yeah. if we can convince anyone to play this game. Um, and again, there are many caveats and, I, and I'm, I'm going to lay them out. Let me be clear. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, if you're the kind of person who has been like on the fence about it um, and like ends up picking it up, anything that like propels us towards a world where Scarlet Nexus 2 exists, I'll be very happy. Um, me too. Because I, they have laid all the groundwork for something really great. And I really enjoyed this experience. So I think it's worth mentioning mentioning uh off the bat if you haven't listened to the previous episodes or whatever this is your first ever episode of into the aether i guess it's just worth mentioning scarlet nexus is an action rpg you can pick from one of two different protagonists who have kind of their own storylines that intertwine like uh every oscar nominated film from the early 2000s um and you know <laughs> lead up into like some big bombastic ending uh where it all overlaps but you and i each picked one of the different protagonists uh and we have finished those stories and have not played the other one which i think was like a just a fun way to structure the episode in a way yeah. it was you know because you picked a character named kasani randall who like from every podcast i listened to every review i read everyone played kasani's story uh, oh, interesting. And, and everyone was like she's awesome great protagonist like really fun vibe and i was like yuito seems so boring uh, i played as a guy named yuito <laughs> sumaragi and i was like i want to see because she seems so immediately interesting like as soon as you learn yeah. anything about her and i was like yuito sumaragi seems like the most like paint by numbers protagonist and I'm so interested to see if his story is even remotely fun or like cool or whatever and I had a really satisfying experience 
playing as Yuito. So I, ju- I just want to say off the bat, I think both are like super viable. I've actually, to be perfectly honest with you, I've played the first like two hours of Kasane's story as well. Because oh, you can cool. do New Game Plus when you finish one of them. Uh, and you start the next one with all of your upgrades and everything's really, really wonderful. It's great. Yeah. Uh, they still force you through all the tutorials. You can't turn the tutorials off, which is like, <laughs> come on, man. Whoops. Um, yeah. But that said, very different immediately. And I think oh, interesting, I was cool. I was surprised at how different they were. And that honestly made me kind of excited to go in and play Kasane's story, actually. But all that said, I mean, having finished this game now, really amped about it. I, I think just like, you know, we've gone into how it works mechanically. I just want to double down on like it feels the way I wish most games that have this kind of combat felt, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, a, a much more methodical style of action combat than like a devil may cry or even a near automata in a way like near automata gets close, but it's still a little bit button mashy sometimes. And yes. this game is like very, very intentional about the buttons you need to press and the things you need to do at certain times when you have openings, when you don't, how you follow up attacks with other attacks. And it starts off feeling like you're just like running into walls over and over again, just hitting your head against yeah. the wall constantly. And at a certain point, I don't know what I think it's going to differ by person, but at a certain point it's going to click. And when that happens, it's like euphoric the whole time. I mean, this combat is incredible. It definitely overstays its welcome at the end, which I think you and I. yeah. Yeah. But for I don't know. Uh, 28 hours of the game I was like fucking amped on it and wanted nothing more than to keep doing it yeah it really is like I would say 96% of the game it's a dream and then there's like one very noticeable part which we'll get to later in the spoiler section but yeah I think it's if I had to kind of broadly categorize my thoughts on like action RPG combat that can feel button mashy or that feels like too restrictive I think it's like the the fine balance of like making it so cinematic, but also giving it a purpose mm-hmm. is really well done. I mean, I really love Final Fantasy VII Remake's combat as well, which I would compare this to, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I think I it's like on that level. The one thing about... Final Fantasy VII Remake's combat that always bugs me is like that game is so excited to show you a mid-boss fight cutscene <laughs> that it always takes me out of it. Like I feel yeah. like I'm finally getting the combos and then I'll hit like a scripted moment in the boss fight. And then it yeah, kind of like creates a change this, or something. Yeah, right. And it, and it creates this feeling of like it doesn't feel like it's in my control as much anymore. Yeah, I do remember a lot of instances in Final Fantasy VII Remake where I would be working my way up to like some big, exciting kind of like unity move between everyone. And as yes, soon as I yes. would hit that level and i would like go to activate it it would like knock the health down on the boss like one percent which would initiate that cutscene that you're talking about yes and then completely yes. undo all of that strategy i had put into the combat or in that in that in that fight yeah i know that exactly happens a lot about. and i think what scarlet nexus does so well is like it gives you those cinematic unity moves when the boss is like kind of startled and yeah. i think without spoiling if i had to critique one thing about the fighting is that eventually the enemy design is so cool and it's also so purposeful because enemies are kind of like broadcasted to you to teach you how to fight certain enemies so like you'll need to it's worth noting uh both yubito and kasane can link their brains with their party mates and they temporarily will get access to their superpowers so everyone is superpower kind of like x-men so like there's one person on kasane's team who has flash speed like really fast yeah and there are enemies that like kind of have these weird vulnerable legs but if you get too close they put a cage over them so with her you can get really fast and get in a hit so like it becomes second nature when you see those types of enemies to do that but i think that um 
eventually like there's not enough new variety like the game does a great job of like giving you more and more combos and more tools to work with but at a certain point like the enemies don't get that either mm. so like you don't really they don't really catch up with you that being said they just I think throw the, more at you is kind right. of their answer they throw more it. at you or they'll like they'll like shift the element of an enemy you know it's like sure. okay this was a water enemy before but now it's a fire enemy right <laughs> the best boss fights in my opinion were the bosses that were other psychic characters you know oh, i think yeah. it's always great to fight a boss that fights like you and i think the yeah. the matches where like you're running around against someone who has their own power and then you get to that like you know halfway point and your whole team like doesn't move together and they get hit with wires it's always like exciting yeah it's really good yeah it's, it's like from soft games you know like whenever yeah. you have to like go fight another right. knight or something or another hunter in bloodborne like those are always exhilarating fights Exactly. Or Hornet and Hollow Knight. Same deal. Yeah, totally. I kind of wish there were more of those because a lot of the bosses are like, here's a big turtle with a uh, like electric pole on its head, <laughs> which is really cool for like the first 20 hours and like the last. We'll talk about the last mission later. Um, but yeah. all that to say, I think that like this game is so I think the key word is ambition because like there's so many elements here that like shouldn't work as well as they do. Yeah. Like you have a game where characters have like all these different powers and mixing them together and making that feel like something and not just like frivolous like that. I think that was the main challenge of this game and they totally succeeded in that. Like this could have just felt like not so bash kingdom hearts three, but it could have felt like that where just like every second there's something else happening. Yeah. That's like, doesn't really matter. Like, if I summon a Disney ride to help me or not, it's not going to change the momentum of this battle. Totally. But if I link powers, that absolutely will change things. So yeah. like they give weight to everything you do in combat, even though it's very fast, which is really hard to do. Yeah. I think um, w- one of the things that really stuck out to me specifically uh, about the way that this game is structured and feeling it a lot in New Game Plus also is the way the upgrade tree works. So there's like, you know, you, you get ability points every time you level up or whatever. You get experience for killing enemies, you know, it's an RPG. You get it. But <laughs> as you get these ability points, you start to unlock different uh, branches on this upgrade tree. And all of them feel really substantial. Like all yes, of them are yes. really, really interesting. I mean, they're they're like, OK, you can hit with your sword three times in a combo. Now you can hit with four or like now when you jump in the air, you can press the dash button and do like a midair, almost Super Smash Brothers air dodge. Um, now you can like charge your sword up like Zelda and do a spin attack. Uh, things like that, which are really, really interesting. And those are all like combat related. But then there's other ones that are like, you know, if you fill up, you know, we'll, we'll add a new meter to the to the game. And when you fill that meter up, like all of your status effects heal, your, your health starts to heal. Uh, your 401k is completely full. You have no <laughs> acne anymore. Um and and on the other end, one of the ones that I think is most interesting, kind of getting to your point, is there's one upgrade path that lets you link more powers together simultaneously, which oh, allows yeah. you to almost like Kirby 64 crystal shards, like blend the powers together. So you're t- you were talking about that one character who has a. Uh, hyper velocity the super speed power I, there's there's one boss fight that i did i won't spoil anything about it but the key to my victory was realizing that if i use hyper velocity and like a fire power at the same time to just like light my sword on fire and just do like wild fire shit i was shrink you know i, I was expanding time outwards and just dealing wild amounts of fire damage to them in like a five second span that for me was taking like a full 30 to 40 seconds to pull off. So as soon as time like snapped back to normal, that thing was so 
wildly on fire that it died almost immediately. <laughs> it was like you can just find these little pockets of like kind of brilliant combinations that work in ways that you kind of don't expect. I, I think it's worth mentioning that both of the characters, Yuito and Kasane, each have their own crews and their powers, from what I gather, kind of uh, serve the same idea in some cases. So like, you know, Yuito has has uh, a girl named Hanabi on, on his squad who is like the fire person. And then Kasane has a, a guy named Shiden on her team who's like a thunder guy. Guy. Um, right. And, you know, they kind of serve the same purpose. Like you're dealing elemental damage is going to like do something. So in, in the in the fire case, it's going to burn them in the thunder case or sorry, the lightning case, I guess, uh, going to like stun them. And, and those are the actually ground. the two powers you can't have at the same time. It's like the one yeah, yeah. rule, which is funny. I guess you can't have electric fire. I get it. I get yeah. it. It's not brain punk. <laughs> <laughs> that That's why I want Scarlet Nexus 2, actually. I want, <laughs> I want them to like really, really think about it and make that happen. But anyway, I re- once I started to realize that those combos because I you spend so much of the game if you don't go and unlock that you spend so much of the game playing with one power at a time that once you can have two at a time I think the first instinct isn't immediately like I'm going to mix these two and see what happens because you're you're just like trying to survive you're like just trying to beat the thing but once those mixtures start to happen and then once you realize like okay now I can add a third one on top of that it just gets it just like kind of unfurls into this really really kind of beautiful like clock like machine yeah that just feels so satisfying to play it's a weird comparison but the progression of power reminds me of hades and that like Mm. they give you you know one weapon to start and you slowly unlock more and then you you know then you're experimenting with the boons and seeing how those affect combat yeah and then all of a sudden you get the aspects to the weapons so like both games do a really great job pacing the acquisition of power Mm -hmm. which is like not a thing i have ever really thought too much about until playing both of these games like yeah I think both games would suffer if you got everything right away. And obviously there's always that like, every AAA game has that skill tree where it's like stealth, power, jumping or whatever, you know, uh, good with people, speechcraft, but you never really feel it. Like, I feel like as much as I love Spider-Man, I never really like there are there were a couple things that were cool, but I never felt like different after after getting those, you know, like, yeah, I, I so easily this skill tree could have become like your attack does 0.5% extra damage when right. you're in a combo or something, <laughs> right. you know, and like, not like you get another air dash, which like, is it like just a fundamental it's like a game changer? Yeah. yeah I mean like right. double jump is one of the things that you unlock in that skill tree. And when you get double jump, the whole game changes immediately. Yeah. I actually think like if I had to find a criticism with the pacing of, of power, I almost wish they could have given you like one other maneuverability power earlier in the game. Because yeah. I think like the very early game, it feels a little stiff, which I think like makes all this stuff feel so rewarding. But like, I think you could have had like some because it was like really hard for me to dodge for the first like few hours of the game. Mm. But uh, eventually it was just like it, it's so trance like, I mean, between the visuals and the music and like once you get a, a hang of it it's just so hypnotizing yeah it's very it's like extremely stylish which i re- yeah. also really appreciate every time you activate the power of one of the people on your squad they have this like it, it almost feels like a fighting game at yes. times like yes their, their character model will just kind of like show up on screen they'll say like a snappy line and then like do a little animation and then you immediately have their power um they'll be like i got the you rules. back you ito and then immediately you're like wailing people with a fire sword and like creating <laughs> big tornadoes and shit um, yeah yeah. And it feels so cool. And, you know, again, when you start activating multiple at a time and you see that animation one, two, three, four times in a row, it's like this game rules. And on top yeah. of that, there's this 
this other element, which we don't have to get into like the specifics of, but there's this uh, almost like Sekiro adjacent, like parry meter kind of thing happening with some of the enemies where if you can whittle down that bar as well, you get to do this special move where like a big light bulb is exposed on the enemy and your character will just because they have telekinesis and can just throw shit around. will just do the most like creative way to smash that light bulb they can think of in the moment. And it's always incredible. There's actually yeah. a setting in the menu that's like, do you want these to be long or short animations? And you can set them to always be the long ones, which I ended up doing at one point because I was like, this <laughs> is so fun. I just love yeah, watching it, it. It has big uh, looking cool Joker energy. Yeah, when you're totally. Like doing that constantly that it, it makes it makes combat so much fun to do. Yeah. Um, and that part of the game that we are kind of alluding to that like isn't is just because like it's reusing the same tricks from earlier, you know? So yeah. like I think that like really I think that the the acquisition of power should have been mirrored by the enemies becoming more complex mm-hmm. which you know very nitpicky thing because like ultimately most of the game is incredible combat right. wise yeah i do think it's uh, worth mentioning though because because you know we're, we're kind of framing a lot of this conversation around the ambition of the thing i think it's worth mentioning that that ambition doesn't always pay off at times i think like the story sure, is yeah. way too big for its britches at times and then yeah. like while being too complex and too all over the place also ends up being like incomprehensible while simultaneously being too simple like some some of the like (laughs) some of the big reveals that happen are like you see them coming miles like hours in advance um and then some of the things when they do happen are like i don't even know who this person is and this is a big twist you know like there there are a lot of times where the story does not really pay off i also find that uh like there are side quests that you can find in the overworld as you like run around the areas and none of the side quests are fun really yeah you just accept them all and then like maybe you complete them and maybe you don't like i i actually picked up like maybe eight of them throughout my whole playthrough and there's a lot i mean there's like 30 or 40 of them probably i only picked up like eight and just decided at a certain point that i didn't care at all about the side quests just didn't do them anymore uh and that was a viable way to play i mean i finished the game and i was overpowered by the end just like everybody else is yeah i because all the stuff you get from doing those quests you can also just craft like buy buy or craft yeah exactly yeah the other thing that's kind of annoying is that i got really into getting all the gifts so yeah how it works is like you can find items and environments that you can then trade in for gifts to give to your party mates that will raise your like bond level with them. And that's a whole other layer of progression where like as you increase that bond, that power will become more complex. So like right. and that's just as well done as the skill tree where like there's a character, uh, Kyoko, I believe, who lets you duplicate yourself. Yeah. And she lets you eventually you can duplicate yourself three times. Mm-hmm. So you, it's just incredible. And you know, then you combine that with something else the possibilities are endless yeah but to get the items you need for the gifts it'll be like this item is this environment a b c or s and to find those items you just have to go to that place and there's like a random chance of finding a a b c or s item yeah so it's just like very tedious to just have to go back there every now and then and it's like carried by the environment's looking great and the combat being fun. But eventually I just had to stop caring about it because I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm just going to keep playing the game. That was my thing, too, was yeah. I, I, I realized at a certain point that I didn't really care enough about some of the like final abilities that I needed to 
unlock, you know, like the top level of those bond meters. I was like, eh, like, is it really worth it for me? Like, I'm just kind of <laughs> doing it for for some of the scenes and just like filling out. So when when you give your uh, your teammates gifts, they actually like use them and kind of like set them up in a hideout that you have that you keep returning to over and over again. So it just kind of like decorates the space, which was nice. That was like the only reason I was really doing it. I realized at a certain point because I think it's like the second or third bond level with all of the characters that gets them the like extra ability on top of what their power already is and then everything else is just kind of like stat boosts or like increases the time that you can use their power or something i got the team bond level to five which like there are there were two team scenes that were unlocked that i loved yeah uh so did you get to see those or no i did yeah but i I imagine i saw different ones than you did yeah probably there was one scene that was well we'll get to it later um But anyway, yeah, I, I think you're right that that that's where the game falls flat. That's pretty much every review will point out the side quests were like weak. I think on top of that, too, I think one of the biggest strengths of the game is like how cool the world is and how beautiful the setting is. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing to do in the settings, really, other than pick up side quests. Like, obviously, the le- like I, I saw some complaints about the level design. I don't really agree with that as much because like well yes they're sort of linear i think it works for the combat like it works to have like a, a to b sort of structure when you're just going down a yeah lane it's dungeon crawling yeah right there's there's one specific level that i think it, it almost seems like I, maybe you didn't even visit it on your end but in Uito's story there's one level that's like a research facility slash oh yeah i think so yeah it almost looks like like an art gallery kind of place yes um, yeah. that was like insufferable because you need to go find like key cards in a certain <laughs> order to unlock certain doors and it felt very much like pokemon red and blue like team rocket hideout kind of vibe yes the um, sliding panels yeah, in, yeah. The, in the worst way possible um, yeah but outside of that i didn't really have any issue with it what i found in terms of like revisiting places because every once in a while i just want to like level up once or twice or something before moving on to the next chapter or i'd want to go find the elements i needed to trade in for gifts or something it just it kind of actually became a podcast game for me where i would listen to a podcast while i would like go grind and the combat was so satisfying that like i didn't really mind that like i could just go and run through like the most recent level that I had just cleared. I would just go back and clear it a second time and level up once or twice and get some items and then go trade them in and listen to a podcast the whole time. That was really nice. And I, I can understand why people wouldn't like that. You know, I, th- I think it's like definitely, uh, it's definitely like a taste thing, you know, like if you hate, hate, hate ever needing to grind, like I don't think you needed to do that. I just did it because I was trying to go out of my way to like accomplish as much of the game or that half of the game as I could. Yeah. Before recording this episode. But I had a really fun time doing it. I mean, it kind of became a weird comfort game in that regard, uh, which is not the kind of thing I would expect from uh, a game <laughs> where the enemies are as horrifying as the others are at times. Right. Right. I, I think my criticism with the with the like settings is more with the like residential city areas because they're beautiful and the music is great and like there's one point where you go to a new city after like a pretty depressing beat in the story and it's framed as like okay well let's just enjoy the city let's take our mind off things and like there are there are bond scenes that happen in these locations but it never feels like it's because you chose to go there Mm. i almost wish they took even more pages from persona and like incorporated the social sim element with the city environments more like i don't know have shops or have like yeah uh, i don't need to be able to play billy with uh, actually I do in the sequel please let me play billiards with my mind but um it's really like just a few people like can you kill a few bugs I'll give you cat ears like I don't want to do that yeah you know like there's no identity to it in function 
so that was kind of a missed opportunity. But um, I think really like the game's strengths to me outweighed everything else. I, I ended up being really glad I finished it. I'll, I'll be honest. I wasn't like blown away by the story or the cast, but like the cast are likable enough and interesting enough that like they kept me there when yeah. the story was like more hit or miss. It really, I mentioned this before, but the story really feels like they had a plan, which I commend them for. This is not a case where like they set up a mystery and they didn't know it until they finished the script. Like right. they knew everything ahead of time. And some things I think really work and some things don't because they were so beholden to that plan. Mm-hmm. They didn't recognize the script was going in a different direction. Like you said, it's like simultaneously like too complex in the details, but the message is simple. Very much like Kingdom Hearts in some ways. Uh, Very much like Kingdom Hearts. Stephen. I can't <laughs> where, wait to get to the spoiler section. Where it's like, be a good friend is the message, but everything's like, Mickey was actually the founder of Monsanto, the big agrochem giant. Uh, agrochem <laughs> is a concept founded by God. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so I think that like, they definitely thought it through. And I think that their intention with this game was to introduce this world and this cast and to really begin a series. Like, without spoiling, it seems very clear that this game wants to set up Scarlet Nexus to be, like, alongside Tales as Bandai Namco's, like, big action RPG series, which, like, honestly, for that mission, they've completely succeeded. Like, I want to see more of this, both from a, I love this game, I want to see more of it, and I know this can be so much better. I want to see the next draft. Yeah, can't I I can't wait to be like, oh, yeah, you... Like somebody, you know, coming and asking us, like, should I start with Scarlet Nexus one and being like, you know, there are some caveats here, but it's still a really fun game. Like, I can't wait to have that conversation <laughs> with somebody in like a decade. Yeah, you know? right. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm hopeful for it because I think this game did well enough. Uh, you know, I, I think so. I, I'm not quite sure of the numbers, but it seemed to sell all right. It also makes me want to check out the Tales series. I have, uh, I started. Tales of Vesperia on Game Pass, but I haven't gotten very far, so I don't really have any thoughts yet. Mm. I do have a thought, though, on the wolf with the scar over his eye and he has a pipe in his mouth. He's great. <laughs> uh, the, the the game opens with like a song and the protagonist and that wolf just like walking to the edge of a cliff. I was immediately smitten. So more on that one day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think this game is great. I think... Um, You know, I I think that if anything interests you about it in terms of the mechanics we described or the sort of like social sim element, it's worth trying. It's worth picking up. And again, you getting it will fuel the possibility of a sequel. So like that's really what I want to see here. Yeah. I I do think it's worth touching on the story a little bit before we get into the spoiler section. Um, Just kind of um, the way the game works essentially is there's Yuito and there's Kasane and each of them are kind of like newbie recruits in uh, this force that's called the, what is it? The other suppression force. The OSF. Uh, Yeah. The OSF. Uh, They're both like new recruits, uh, both coming from backgrounds where there's like a lot of expectation placed upon them. And I, I think the thing that has surprised me the most about the game and the thing that I don't think they actually pay off as much story wise is this idea that these people are wildly famous um mm. there's there's one character on Kasane's crew yes who, who, who has more of a focus on it and I kind of can't wait to hear about it more in the spoiler section um but that was the thing that I was really interested in because like the game very very clearly in the beginning opens up this door where like there are drones constantly hovering over you as you're in battle and stuff and it's all news networks filming stuff because they just kind of want to show off how great the OSF is and how good they are at killing others which is you know as we mentioned the enemy force and the game kind of like tumbles into this like, I don't know, um, like kind of 
almost corporate espionage, like, uh, you know, kingdoms falling upon kingdoms, like is history what we think it is kind of story. Uh, and, and I don't know without spoiling anything. I don't know if it kind of earns a lot of the stuff that it sets up. I don't know if it kind of sure. pays off on a lot of it. I think the, the, the reason I wanted to mention this before the spoiler section is I think if you want to go check this game out, I don't know if you should go into it expecting it to be like a great story at the end of it. The thing that drew me through the end were the characters specifically. Yes, I, I realized at a certain point that I was just playing it for them more than anything else. And the story really became secondary to the point where by the end, again, without spoiling, it was like I was laughing at the screen. Like I was laughing <laughs> at the game at some of the things it was trying to pull off with a straight face. And I was like, this is so fucking dumb. Um, <laughs> I don't want to dunk on it too hard. I mean, I just called it fucking dumb. But the characters are really that good. I, I, I just want to like hammer that point home. Like the characters really are incredible. And it's like I, I switched over to the English voice acting. Um they they pull off the cardinal sin where uh, the the voice acting or there will be like dialogue that happens while you're in combat. Um, and it's like very hard to read subtitles while you're in combat. So I switched from the Japanese voice cast, to the English voice cast. And it's like all 13 Sentinels and Fire Emblem Three Houses people. Yeah. It's just like, you know, all of our all of our old friends are back uh, <laughs> in a new video game. And all of these characters kind of do feel like Three Houses, 13 Sentinels adjacent characters like they, they a lot of them are a little bit, um, I, I would say, like trope in their setup but the more bond sequences you have with them the more they kind of unfurl into more fully fleshed characters um, yeah like without without saying too much about him off the bat because i imagine we'll talk more about characters later but there's there's one guy in your in your platoon uh his name is gemma garrison who is like very like visually like an older guy in, in relation to everybody else in the crew who's like i don't know like you know late teens early 20s kind of vibe he he's clearly like in his 30s 40s is like thinking about retirement and every time you talk to him, he's trying to relate to people who are younger than him. And and I kind of found that really nice in a way. Like, I, I found it interesting that, like, you know, here's this character who could very much be portrayed as like, I'm the rock. His power is literally turning himself invincible. It's um, really good. He's it's like, you know, power. I'm, I'm going to be the, the dad of the group. It's like immediately what you think his vibe is going to be. And he's like, no, man, I'm like, I'm not that old. I just have seen a lot of shit. And I think I'm curious about like what the youth are all about and like how to kind of uh, reclaim that side of myself. So it's not this story about like, oh, I'm aging out of this or whatever. It's a story more about like, you know, I, I want to get in touch with uh, like culture again because I've like given so much of my life to this force. And I that sort like that kind of like twist on a very classic trope of a character just happens like over and over and over again. There are definitely some that are a little bit more tropey than others. But sure. I think I think Gemma to me was kind of the standout as like he's just a very good example of where they're trying to take these characters and why I want a sequel so bad. Yeah, I think Kagero is that on my team. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Which yeah, I think we'll talk about him a lot. But yeah. yeah, a lot of thought has gone into this game. And I think the ironically, the biggest like moments that have stuck with me are the ones that are not there's no attention called to it. It's something said in passing or mm. it's one of the bond scenes. Yeah. It's never like, wait, Pluto was a guy. It's never like that. You know, Pluto has a face and it can talk. <laughs> it's never moments like that. It's, yeah. it's, and, and really when you're saying before how it was the cast that carried you through it, playing this game reminds me a lot of reading a comic for a superhero that I like, like, 
I, I, I only follow a few, but like I'm a big Miss Marvel fan. I'll read most Miss Marvel comics. Yeah. And even if it's like a rough one, I'm still there because I love Kamala. You know, even if it's like not a great story, I'll be like, I still enjoyed that because I liked seeing how she navigated this weird story. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt in this game with no prior knowledge of the characters. That's like, I think, a testament to how strong they are. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess that's it. Is there anything you want to say before we get into the spoiler section? Um, I'm trying to think if there's any like bow I can tie up here. I'm, I think what I'm excited to discover in us sharing, I will say this, I am planning on playing Yuito's story in New Game Plus. Like I'd I, like, yeah, e- I'm going to finish Kasane's. Yeah, well. even though I, you know, and I'll take my time with it because, you know, we, we won't have the deadline in this episode. But what's worth noting is that like throughout the game, even though there are characters that are in Yuito's squad, Kasane will have bond scenes with those characters throughout. So I'm really curious, like what story I got about this, ca- like what angle of Gemma did I get as Kasane versus yeah. the angle that you got? Um, so I think that's like what I'm most looking forward to with this and i wonder if that was also an intention with the game and you know and and splitting up the protagonist i'm also like really curious to see like if this paid off like if it paid off to have the duo protagonists i think ultimately yes but like it's given me a lot of respect both for this game and for games that have pulled off the multiple perspectives. Again, not to throw Three Houses another trophy, but like, my <laughs> God, was that an impossible to write game? And they like found the perfect balance of like, no matter which house you choose, you will feel like you got a full story. Yeah. But there will still be intrigue for the other houses. In this game, I feel like you will feel like you are clueless on some things, like truly, and maybe not in a way that's like pleasant, more just like, what? <laughs> I guess I'll know one day. Yeah. But ultimately, I I enjoyed the latter half of the game, I think, more, just because I think it was more fun mechanically and the story focused a little bit. There's like constant trips. It's like an athlete who finishes the race, but is like constantly falling on the way there. Yeah. <laughs> like they still make it. They made it. So I'm, I'm rooting for this series to continue. Yeah, me too. I guess uh, I guess with that said, let's uh, take a quick break and then come back and talk about like specifics and story stuff. And yeah, I think the plan is we're going to yeah. like Brendan and I are both going to kind of talk through in general broad strokes, like the story of each character uh, will probably trade moments. I, I, I imagine beats will come up that we'll probably like spend time on, whether it's like out of critique or out of like celebration. Uh, and then we'll wrap up. A short and sweet brain punk night for you all. Yeah. Cool. All right. Look at us. Uh, okay. We'll talk Goodbye. to you soon, dear listener. <laughs> talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Brendan, we are back in the spoiler section of this brain punk bonus uh, we were going to talk through a little bit of the story. Uh, I'm give the floor to you uh, to kind of give the spark notes of Yuito's story. Uh, I'm not going to be an audience member. I'm going to participate in this. Uh, if there are any moments you want to highlight, I'm there to jump in with you. But I'm very excited to hear about what's up with Yuito. Yeah, this time. I'm look. I'm going to be honest. Uh, a lot of it has blended together. Uh, there, yeah, so same bo- here. I think both routes have twelve phases. Yes. Sorry, phases or chapters, I guess. And then there's the the standby phases in between them, which allow you to just hang out with your crew. 
So I guess it's probably worth mentioning who the crew is for for Yuito. Yeah. Uh, I I tried to not mention it before uh, it, before the spoiler section that both the crews blend together, which is just incredible. I really that's the best part of the game. Yeah. I I just want to say that up front. Like I loved when both the crews blended. I love yes. being able to pick people up and like kind of arrange their orders and pick who's going to come with me and whose weapons I'm going to upgrade and whatever. I loved all of that. Equipping everybody with uh, items and stuff. Very good shit. I almost question the relevance then of like, cause there's the middle beats of both stories. The crews are kind of pitted against each other. Yeah. And I almost wonder if that was even worth it, given how great <laughs> it was to have everyone together. Like, yeah. I'm like, would it have been better just to be on the same page the whole time? Yeah. Like if you're picking up like one character at a time or something, Right. Like maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like it's fun when it finally happens, but we'll we'll talk about the whole pitting. Yeah, I was just about to say it's actually it's it's yeah, that that aspect of the story is so funny to me, at least from Yuito's angle, because he is just fucking clueless, which means that you, the player, (laughs) are clueless the whole time. So there's no context at all for why you're fighting. Like there's none whatsoever. You just keep running into Kasane and she and her crew are like, we're going to fucking kill you. And you're just like, I just want to talk. I just want to have a conversation. Please stop trying to kill me. Anyway, Yuito's uh, team is uh, Gemma Garrison, who I mentioned earlier, who's like, you know, big buff dad uh, can make himself invincible. Good dude. Uh, Sugumi Nazar, uh, who is uh, kind of this... Um, she she's a clairvoyant, which allows her to uh, see invisible enemies and also widens the window of time that you have to uh, dodge attacks, like get a perfect dodge on things, uh, which is fun. You have uh, Hanabi uh, uh, Ichijo, who is like your childhood friend, fire powers, cool vibe. Uh, she's the Ebonine of the group. She has a crush on Iwito, but it's like unreciprocated kind of thing. It's very silly. Um <laughs> And honestly, is like the most trope adjacent that Yuito yeah. shit gets at times. It's like, yeah, I don't know why she keeps talking to me. She seems nice, though. <laughs> so She's a great character, but that like forced romance is kind of silly. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of wish that she'd be like, no, fuck you, man. You have to come on to me now. Right. Anyway, Luca Travers uh, is is the other uh, is one of the other uh, members who is just great. Uh, he's like a little boy who is uh Karin, who is like the big bad, his older brother, he's Karin's older brother, has the biggest like Ramona Flowers Waluigi hammer um, (laughs) with him, uh, is like a super genius and is like one of the strongest people in all of the OSF and is obsessed with weightlifting. And I I love Luca to death. Dear listener, if you are just listening to the spoiler section, even though you haven't played the game and you're like deciding if you want to pick the game up or not. I recommend if you play Yuito's story, put regular ass sunglasses on Luca. You can get cosmetic <laughs> items. Put regular normal sunglasses on Luca and you will laugh harder than you've ever laughed in your whole life. Anytime Luca delivers any kind of dialogue straight that's heavy in any way at all and he's wearing his little Matrix sunglasses, the comedic fucking gold. It's like one of the reasons I like the game as much as I do is yeah. that I can put sunglasses on Luca. Honestly, I there was a... a big portion of the game where everyone had matching aviators at one point like, <laughs> which just ruled that was like the one part i streamed everyone had like it, there weren't even aviators they were like the 80s like 3d yeah black sunglasses <laughs> uh and like seeing that crew walk through like an abandoned subway with matching sunglasses just, 
unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Tarantino, step it the fuck up. Reservoir Dogs 2. Here it is. Brain punk. <laughs> I built it myself with I my bare myself. hands. <laughs> anyway, that's... I just a- bought sunglasses. The only cosmetic I really liked were the sunglasses. I found that... And you- uh, the Baki backpack for Sheedan. I had to give him like a... Like a oh, I love lame that. backpack. Yeah, yeah not, knock him down a peg. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that nothing really looked good on Yuito. So everyone else was decked out and Yuito was just kind of standard the whole sure. time. But anyway, that, that's Yuito's crew. I like them a lot. They're really fun. Uh, you know, a lot of really like wonderful support scenes. Um, Sugumi's specifically I, I, are really interesting because she just very much like wants to be... Um, she wants to have like an actual like intimate relationship with somebody, not like intimate, intimate, not like 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 in love kind of relationship. But like she wants to like really connect with somebody on like a deeper level um, and kind of uses Yuito in a way kind of uh, like figures out some of uh, his like past memories and some like things that kind of relate to him uh, that like might draw up some like kind of raw emotion that he has by specifically like looking into a kind of flower that he wants to get. Um, there's like mm. a flower that reminds him of his mom. Um, and Sugumi kind of like is like, I'm very good at researching plants. I know a lot about plants. I'm going to find this flower for you, Ito. Uh, so he will be my friend. And it's like a really it's a really interesting story. And I like it a lot that that honestly, like between that and Gemma's stories, I was like really kind of blown away by it. I, yeah, it, it's like in those two um I almost called the paralogs. That's not, that's not it. That's, that's <laughs> uh, in those two bond episodes. I, I felt like the writing team was like really kind of flexing some stuff. And it's kind of a bummer that like those storylines, uh, the, the bond episodes specifically can be so focused and so interesting. And the rest of the story is like kind of an ambling mess at times. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say now that we're in the spoiler section, I found I found the ending to be like not good. And I'll, I'll talk about the lead up to it, I guess now. So Yuito as a character, um, he is the descendant of the guy who founded New Himuka, which is like the, the city state country, I guess, that you grow up in, uh, that most of the game takes place in until a little bit later in. And like one of the first things you do is, you know, you, you go through the whole test, uh, which I, I also saw in Kasane's thing. You go through the test where like they connect you to the yeah. the, the big like brain net for the first time. Um, and it hurts a whole lot and stuff. Uh, both Yuito and Kasane kind of have similar reactions to it where they're like, oh, this is like I can handle this. This is like that opening I found very powerful, but it yeah. almost set the wrong tone because that opening is like very near automata where it's like, mm. OK, like. We're just seeing people suffer. Like that is the opening tone. Yeah, uh, and that doesn't really apply to the rest of the game. <laughs> but it's a really good scene. I, I I was definitely gripped right away. Yeah. What I found interesting about Yuito, uh, I guess, there, sorry, there's another character on his team technically uh, named Nagi Carmen, um, right. who is like his best friend growing up, uh, and and joined the OSF with him, and they went through you know cadet training and stuff together, and they both graduated at the same time. So he's also in this scene. The thing about Yuito is that because of his lineage, his dad is like one of the dudes who like runs the whole government. His older brother is uh, one of the like chiefs who runs the OSF. So he's like tied in in like a really big way. What's interesting about Yuito, I guess, is that he's like so oblivious. He's like so laid back. He reminds me. I mean, it's just because I'm playing it right now, but he reminds me of Link in Skyward Sword in terms of his kind of like aloofness. Like he doesn't. Sure. 
there's a lot of pressure on him and he and he feels like he needs to be responsible with that pressure and he he understands that there are a lot of eyes on him but he has like almost no connection to his family like he doesn't really care at all about the government or about the osf it's just like what people (laughs) expected him to do so it's what he's doing he's very much a chart your own course person so the reason he joins the osf is because when he's a kid uh there's there's an incident that happens in a hospital where others show up in a hospital. They like break through the line. The OSF can't contain them. And they show up like in a hospital. And um, essentially, like his mom kind of gets taken out, uh, which I'll get to later. But um, he, as a child, like comes face to face with like one of the like boss versions of an other that you will fight, you know, later in the game and is saved by an OSF member and is so like taken aback by this and so blown away by like their sheer power and their whole thing that he's like, that's going to be me when I grow up. Like I want to be that person for another kid, you know? Um, And that's the thing that drives him through. It was like, I just want to be the best version of an OSF member I can possibly be. Cause I just, I just want to like give other people hope. I want to inspire other people and show them that like, maybe there is a way to end this or something. And that's kind of it. He's not doing it for his dad. He's not doing it for his brother. Uh, His mom is out of the picture for reasons we'll get to later. But I kind of appreciate that about him. At the same time, he's kind of like clueless, like really clueless. And he (laughs) he doesn't like ask any questions about things, really. He's not very persuasive. He, I honestly don't even think he's a very good leader. A lot of people like kind of constantly refer to him as like a great leader. And I'm just like, what do you what do you see in this guy that I am not <laughs> seeing? Like, I love playing as Yuito. I think he's great. I think he's a good character. He's definitely better than just like, an you know, a classic protagonist from a game like this. Um, yeah. But he's he's not like super compelling until a little bit later when he starts to like break away from his dad and his brother in like a really big way and is like oh they suck actually um but the game the game pretty much just starts with you like going through training you know you you get teamed up with hanabi is you're like kind of rekindling of a relationship um you know you haven't seen each other since you were kids and stuff she's already in the osf she's like a rising star or whatever you get teamed up you go fight a big boss um and immediately you know the the camera crews and the news and stuff are like yuito's the next big thing like he is the heir to the sumeragi name He's a big deal. He's going to be the face of the OSF for, you know, a while. Um, And on your first day, you come face to face with Karin, who, as we mentioned, big bad. Um, And he's like, yeah, man, I remember I remember when that was me, too. Like, I I had the exact same kind of hype around me. Just like, don't let it get to your head. It's going to be a whole thing. And you're so stoked about it, you know? And that is like your sole interaction with Karin until the shit that happens later. (laughs) That's like, <laughs> it's like, he's a cool, oh my God. he's a cool guy and he gave me advice. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. Well, more on him in the bit. Yeah. Right? yeah. Anyway. So I like, guess the Kasani route is Karin centric. Uh, Cause yeah. Okay. So essentially what happens from there, you know, you, you get, um, you, you eventually like find your hideout, which is like an old, uh, like Sumeragi kind of just like vacation spot. Essentially. It's like hidden near uh, a construction site. The thing about Yuito is like, he's so wildly privileged and has never thought about it. And like, people will constantly talk about it. They'll be like, Oh, your family owns this. Like, that's interesting. And he's like, yeah, we have a whole bunch. It's really cool. Uh, and they're like, that's not why I'm saying it like this with this tone. <laughs> 
Um, he just he just has no idea. He never asks any questions. But anyway, the the second phase of this is like really where the game starts to take off, and it takes a while to get through the second phase. I'll say that much. Like the first two phases, I think, as like an opening act in a way, you know, really set off the story in a big way, but take a really long time compared to everything else. Maybe it's just like I enjoyed it more after the end of Act Two. But Act 2 sends you into this like abandoned subway station. You, it's, you start off like doing this stuff where you get teamed up with uh, Kagero and uh, and Sugumi. Um, and you go through like some some uh, like a test phase and you fight Kasane for the first time because um, she's like waiting for you at the end of the test. Uh, but something happens where they're like, oh, man, your crew actually does need to go do like real live like mission right now because there's something happening in this subway. There's a lot of others. We need to figure out what's going on. And you go through the subway, it takes a whole thing. Uh, and at the end, you run into like a really big other. It's a big boss fight. You fight this boss. Kasane's like crew shows up as well with Naomi, Kasane's sister, who gets sniped with a gun that has something in it that turns her into an other. And you and your crew at that point need to take out Naomi, essentially, is what happens. Uh, Naomi uh, is a person that you've, like, met a couple times. Like, Nagi Nagi is, like, into her in some respect. It's clear that she's into you, though, as Yuito. Like, there's, a, yeah. you know, a weird, like, love triangle <laughs> thing that they're setting up. But she immediately gets turned into an other. And it's like, no, this is the boss battle now. Um, and the way that that ends is she gets captured by the OSF. The OSF is like, no, no, we're just going to take her and like cart her off somewhere else. Uh, And you start to have conversations. This is where I was like, oh, wow, actually, the story is maybe actually interesting. Yeah, you start to have conversations with like the generals in the OSF uh, and and some other like kind of high ranking officials who are like, forget everything that you saw here. Like, do not tell anybody that this happened. If the mere inkling of a rumor that people can turn into others gets leaked out into the public, it's going to start some like really wild shit. And that's not okay. And immediately Yuito is like, we shouldn't be hiding the truth from the people, which I was like, that's surprising. That's a surprising turn for him. I want to point out too, like the design of the others as we talked about before is so cool and scary. And Naomi's in particular is like a weird dollhouse with like arms and legs. It's very scary. Yeah. Her, her design, I thought, was like a standout other. Really, really cool. Yeah, it, I th- I think until the end of the game is like clearly the coolest design. Uh, and oh, is just the yes, most yes, like yes. Off, off-putting, I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. Yuito is immediately like, this is not cool. There's something wrong here. Um, he finds a bunch of like ampules on the ground of like some kind of substance. He doesn't really know what it is. And is like just told, go to the end of this highway. You're going to meet up with somebody and we're going to debrief you. And on the way, you lose Nagi like Nagi just like kind of goes missing. And at the end of the highway is Karin, who is like, again, just don't tell anybody about this and then kind of bails. And that's kind of it. That's kind of it for a while. And like after that, you just kind of like go off and do some like normal kind of side quests. You have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of uh, in between phases where you're raising your bond level or whatever. And it sends you out to a highway which is where like the story like really happens. So just to be clear, those are the like really the two instances in which you kind of talk to Karin or know anything about him up until this moment. So this highway kind of other breakout that happens sends you down to the end of, of this space where you end up coming face to face with Karin, who is like, hi, as it turns out, I'm the big evil bad guy and I've turned against the OSF. I've joined this other country that we've not mentioned until now named Sauron. Uh, and the two of us 
are going to take down Nuhimuka for reasons that are kind of unexplained. And a big war like wormhole opens up in the sky uh, and he maybe goes through it, maybe doesn't. I'm not even really sure if I'm being honest with you, Stephen and dear listener. This was such a blur to me. It was like just an assault of like facts, names, government. Yeah. Uh, like honestly, d- same on Kasane's rally. This yeah. this bridge scene we mentioned in earlier episodes, like it is so out of left field and not in a good way. Like it's just, it's a lot, and it feels like it should have happened. You you said this before, and I think it's a brilliant point. This scene should have happened in the very beginning or much later. Yes, where it happens makes almost no sense. Yeah, and and it's interesting from Yuito's perspective because again, he doesn't know anything. Like everyone's yeah. very purposefully keeping him in the dark. I think there's this idea that's not explored at all, but my my read on it is that his dad and his brother want to kind of keep him in the dark. They don't want him to be complicit in any of this, really. Uh, so they're not cluing him into anything. Him and his crew are just kind of like completely devoid of information. So you go into that scene knowing absolutely nothing. The reason I think it should have come earlier is like if you open the game with a scene like that, it just kind of like creates a um i always use this as my example maybe that's a dumb idea but this is always my example um it it almost creates like a dune situation where like dune you start Mm. reading and you have no fucking idea what anybody's talking about it's just like (laughs) new terms on top of new terms different vernacular different like methodologies of speech you know different planets and ideas and like they have different names for things and you then you can like really grok at the beginning and eventually at a certain point kind of like the combat in this game it just clicks and you just kind of like understand what people are talking about at a certain point context clues eventually fill in the blanks and you understand everything that's happening in that book which is like brilliant it's like really impressive the way that's pulled off in that book if you had started the game with that highway sequence i think you might have been able to fill in the blanks later like the ideas that are presented there would become kind of like question mark blocks that would be you know rotated and filled in with actual information later and i think that that could have been an interesting structure you know one of the classic things about storytelling is like start your story where the story begins like you don't need so much prologue that right that uh you know it's boring essentially it's like a classic screenwriting goof is like you know making the the sequence before the scenes or before the story starts way too long and in a way that's almost what this game feels like it's doing i think like the naomi thing is really really interesting and like maybe that is the beginning that leads to the like i don't I don't want to like fucking armchair redirect this game like that's it, it, not that's it, not an interesting thing for me but i this scene just felt so unsatisfying in the moment that it was like there has to have been a better way of doing it and you can't help but think of that you know you can't help of yeah you can't help but like try and figure it out but anyway that happens and like even looking back I don't really know what it accomplishes except for telling you that Karin is the bad guy which I had no inkling of I didn't really care about him at all I didn't really care about any of the people at all at this point except for Naomi <laughs> who had turned into another um, and right. Nagi who I'm told is my best friend who has gone missing at this point and it kind it just it just like created a big wormhole and like I'm told that the wormhole is bad and like that's kind of all I know about the story. What follows, I think, is much more interesting. And I I think this is kind of what you were talking about as well, because I think you and I have a similar feeling that like almost the halfway point of this game and on is where it gets like way more interesting. Yeah, because I think the concepts that they try and dive into from a from a narrative perspective are like just better than what they're trying to set up in the beginning. You know? Yes. Um, So the next sequence involves you going to this like underground hospital facility uh, in which you are like 
you're searching for uh you're searching for Nagi and you find him and he's not himself at all. Uh mm. when you find Nagi, he is like really out for blood and very much wants to kill you. So his his power set is like wind. He can like control wind and, and the air. He's essentially just an airbender, I guess. <laughs> and he like really fucking wants to rip your head off. Like he he wants you dead. And you find out like after <laughs> after that fight that it was your brother, potentially that sent him after you uh, and that your brother like not only not like doesn't want you involved in what's going on here at all, but like wants you dead and out of the picture. So you can't find the truth because I think he understands that you don't really have any like interest in taking up the family name or anything. So he's like, Oh, in that case, I'll just, I'll just kill him, which kind of creates like maybe an emotional center to the game. I guess Uh, this idea that like, you know, your best friend that you grew up with is coming after you that your your brother wants you dead. But I, di- I didn't find that as compelling as kind of what happens next, which is you go into this like ice area, which I think you do you go to there? Do you is this go Togetsu? To- yeah, yeah. yeah the, Togetsu, um, which like, is like the plot reveal setting. <laughs> yeah. Which like to be clear, I, th- I think is what um, I'm looking at. a am looking at a explain. Yeah, it's the eighth phase of, of the game. So Towards we're the like, end. it's like the last act. Yeah. Honestly, like, and this is maybe my biggest critique of the story in this game is like this is the moment when the story got really interesting to me was I agree phase yeah. eight, which is way too late in the story for it to have gotten interesting. Um, yeah, it's really, again, a testament to how wonderful the characters are that that yes. like I got to this point and was like, oh, I'm being yeah. rewarded finally <laughs> for, put, for putting up with all of this until now I get to deal with phase eight, which is you go to Togetsu which is this like kind of splinter religion. It's like explained to you as this like place where like heathens who don't want to be part of New Himuka kind of hang out or Sairon. Um, they're, they're like a complete offshoot of society. Who knows how they live? Probably terribly. Uh, and you go and you show up. You have to like fight through this big kind of like icy mountain and you show up and it's this huge modern like completely like flat geometric almost terrifying facility that's run by seemingly robots who all have the same face they all have like the same kind of like robot mask on yeah and they lead you in and they're like we're just going to teach you everything we know we're going to teach you everything about the togetsu religion and it is bonkers i mean it is wild so you just continue yeah. to sit at this chair and and whenever you sit down at a chair um, there's, there's a, uh, like a hologram of, I forget what character it is. It's one of the people on your squad. I think, I think it's Kyoko. Yeah. It's must, Kyoko. Must yeah. There, there's yeah. a hologram of Kyoko who says that she's not Kyoko. I'll, but, I'll talk about that more later. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, they, they explain who she is okay, uh, in, in this sequence, but you continue to talk to these holograms and they're like, okay, here's the deal. Earth got completely fucked. Everybody from earth got sent up to the moon to colonize the moon. And then the idea was to hang out at the moon until Earth could be recolonized. And we sent some people down to Earth, found that, uh, you know, there was like an other thing going on here. It was like some kind of like alien comet asteroid thing. Yeah. Sent some kind of like virus down to Earth that created the others, created the extinction belt, which is this big. Uh, I don't know. It's it's where the others come from. Apparently, it's like part of the Earth's atmosphere at this point. And we realized that like. We couldn't send any more people down to Earth, but, you know, we, the Togetsu faith, we want to head back to the moon. The moon is where our ancestors are. That's where we should be. And Yuito and his crew are like, 
we can't believe any of this, but it's honestly more believable than nothing, which is what we're getting from the new Humuka <laughs> government. They're like better than nothing. The government's telling us nothing. At least Togetsu is telling us something. And you find out throughout the course of these uh, various interviews that, you know, Kyoka is essentially I forget what they're called. What, what are they called? Um, design designer children. Design children. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, it, implying essentially uh, like a gene splicing kind of uh, thing like, you know, a, a thing that people are actually talking about in the real world right now. Like, OK, yeah, what if I wanted my kid to have blue eyes? Could we go into the DNA and change that? That's like a re- that's like a real thing. And and in Scarlet Nexus, the idea is that the moon essentially set down a bunch of designer children. They wanted a bunch of people who had like the perfect genes, I guess, to send down and like recolonize the planet, which is fucking horrifying, obviously. Yeah. Um, really scary shit, but you know, raises a lot of questions about Kyoka and what her whole deal is. And on, you know, you go into this, uh, one area, I forget. Oh, it's called baby, right? Oh, babe. babe. It's called babe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, Hey, we've told you all of this information. There's one last thing we want to tell you, go sit at this chair. Uh, and we're going to hook you up to babe, which is like our central computer. And we're going to like download the rest of the information into your brain. Yuito. So you're like, all right, cool. Sounds good. And you go in and you sit down at this babe computer and you hook up your brain <laughs> to the babe computer. Sorry, that's, that's so funny. It's, it's, uh, and immediately, Yuito is like, this sucks. There is something very nefarious happening here. This is very bad. And Kasane and her crew, you know, kind of deus ex mocking to show up. And they're like, we're going to break you out of there. Uh, they bust you out. And on your way out, you like start to beat the shit out of some of the like Togetsu uh, faithful people um, and bust their masks off. And it's all Kyoka and it's all Kasane mm. on the way out. Uh, and that was like interesting and cool, I guess. On your way back to uh, New Himuka, you end up running into Nagi again. It's kind of your like last encounter with him where you, I guess you like kill him. I don't really know. He just kind of goes away after that point. I honestly don't even remember. And you you make your way through. I, I don't know. You get towards the end of the game. You, you hook up with Kasane, right? Like you, you, your team and her team kind of like sync up together. I missed a whole part early on where uh, Yuito's dad gets murdered and you think it's Kasane, which is like not really interesting. And, and every time you run into Kasane, he's like, please tell me why you killed my dad and also stop trying to kill me. There's a part where it's revealed that uh, Kagero apparently killed your dad. He like pulls you into a construction site and is like, hi, I killed your dad. Now I'm going to kill you. And then you fight him and then he's like, oh, you're better than I thought. And then you two are like friends at that point. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of like tension dropped suddenly in this game. Yeah, that's, like, the kind of thing that happens a lot. That's kind of bizarre because um, um, like Kagero like kills Yuicho's dad in front of, uh, you know, we'll get to it later. But like you see that happen and then you end up kind of taking the blame for it. Yeah. And then he joins your team after that moment. <laughs> and everyone's like, I guess you're fine. Like, what? Yeah. So weird. Yeah. And again, it's like everything is just a little bit out of order. Like all these things can work. It just like certain scenes should have happened later and earlier. And like, yeah, because all the logic is explained eventually. But like the order is really strange. Yeah. I mean, the the end of this game, which I'm, I'm glad we're at the end, like I could talk about it. Actually, the end of this game involves you then, you know, having teamed up with Kasane's story, uh, Kasane's crew. Um, you and Kagero have like figured your stuff out or something. 
you you're like all right well um you know i have this like ability to time travel uh which you know when when you and kasane kind of like team up you kind of fill each other in on some information and there's this whole thing where like you have this superpower and so does kasane it's called red strings you have a similar superpower and it allows you to travel through time and the idea is that uh is that karen went back in time and killed Yuito's ancestor, who's the founder of Nuhimuka, and took his place and is like the person who is in the tomb, like the 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 Sumeragi tomb, which is like kind of the central point of the Nuhimuka city. And like if we go down there into the bottom of the tomb, a two thousand year old Karin masquerading as the Sumeragi ancestor will be lying there waiting for us or something on life support, and we can go take him out. But really, it's just they just want to ask him why he's doing anything that he's doing. And that's kind of the thing is like up until the last phase of the game, there's really no understanding of why Karin is doing anything he's doing. He's not like he's not relatable or even like knowable as a villain, as a big bad. It's like he just keeps showing up to fight. Doesn't really explain why this idea that like Yuito and Kasane have this superpower and it's like questionable why that might be. Um, you find out at a certain point that uh, the person who saved Yuito when he was a kid is Kasane, who went back in time to like go talk to Yuito's mom, who is also her mom. Yeah, they're siblings. <laughs> they're siblings. <laughs> and it turns out like they just keep throwing this stuff at you. I'm sorry I'm not like going into detail about like why this stuff is happening or you know the order in which it happens or whatever. It's just like they keep hitting you with this stuff. It's like, of course they have the same mom and they have the same superpower. Like, of course, Kasane is the one who gave Yuito. Like the reveals aren't like satisfying. They're just, yeah, they're just plot beats with like real, no emotional attachment to them, which I think is kind of like the, the grave sin of the whole game is that like you have, you spent so much time developing these really wonderful characters and couldn't get me to care about the story that happens to them. I care about them. I don't care about, they're like goings on in the plot. And I think that's kind of the biggest bummer of the whole thing, because it leads you to this final phase where you go through essentially the whole game in backwards order. Yeah. Via uh, like a brain field that Karin has created uh, in this tomb. And, and you fight through a bunch of his own memories where it turns out he was friends with General Fubuki, who's like one of the guys who runs the OSF and also uh, Hanabi's aunt uh, who's named Anna? Alice Alice yeah Alice yeah. Um, who goes through a similar transformation to Naomi uh, and turns into an other and Karin is like I'm going to keep going back in time over and over and over again until I prevent that from happening and you kind of realize that the entirety of the game is kind of leading up to you trying to stop Karin from going back in time and wiping history again and trying another time to go back in time so that's where like there's a really big plot hole which I kind of want to get into a little bit which is like please karn is able to travel back in time over and over and over again right is the whole thing well he his power is to steal other powers yes right so he gets that power from yuizo and kasane essentially right and and i guess the the thing is that every single time he goes maybe it's not a plot hole every time he goes through history he's able to steal the red strings power from yuito and kasane yuito or kasane again and then go back in time and in this instance, he's not able to do it, I guess, is kind of the implication is that he's not able to take the go back in time power. I, I think he is. But they're like he's prevented by the team itself. Like I, there's like a point where he tries to and like the team stops him. 
Uh, like right in front of the tomb. Right. Yeah. So, so in yeah. this instance, he's like trying to reset time again, but he can't steal their power to go back in time and reset it again. But I guess the implication is that he's done this a lot of times already. Like he yeah. has succeeded more than once because when you get to the bottom of the tomb, you know, the, the Sumeragi ancestor, I forget his name, uh, his actual name, but you know, he takes his mask off and he is Karin. And then there's two Karins standing there in front of you. And one of them, you know, disappears because the time. My line favorite line of the game, Arash is like, see, I told you, you shouldn't meet yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, I, uh, Arash But she hadn't great. said to me at any point. That was the first time I, she hadn't said that. <laughs> um, which was bizarre. But anyway. You know, then you fight Karin, he's the big bad guy, and, uh, you know, when you beat him, you end up closing the wormhole, and the game is kind of over. There's a lot of stuff that happens after the credits. I, 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 it feels bad to talk about the story, because I don't like it, you know? Like, at, at the end yeah. of the day, I just, I just don't like it. I love, I, it's so, I, I, it's weird to be so dichotomous, I guess, in my discussion about this game because like i love this game and i really did not find the story satisfying and the ending actually made it worse for me because i, I found <laughs> it so unsatisfying that it almost undid some of the the stuff that i loved earlier um it really just comes down to like characters are great bond episodes are great combat is great story not so much and it's and it's weird to break it down in like a 1995 video game reviewer magazine <laughs> i don't think you're doing that methodology <laughs> like that where it's like graphics 10 out of 10 story six but like it really is the weakest part of it. And it was well, divided so, in that way. So I think it's fair to critique true. it that way. You there, know? I just think what's funny about it is that like there's an anime like you could go on Funimation dot app and like watch an anime that is only the story in this game. I, I kind of want to watch it. To <laughs> Me be too. I want to see if yeah. it's better in the anime than it is yeah. in the game. So overall, I agree. And now I'm pretty confident Kasane has the better story after hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, the same criticisms apply. I think the strengths are what you highlighted. And the story is like, I think, more conceptually interesting than it is in execution. But yeah, I, I have more to say about the ending, but I think I'll save it for maybe my run through of uh, Kasane's part of it. Are you ready to, to switch over? Yeah. Should we take a quick break and come back and... Talk about Kasane? I'm going to be honest. I would love to do that. Okay. Sounds good. Let's take a break. I'm going to quickly watch the, the I almost said 13 Sentinels. Whoops. The Scarlet Nexus anime. And then we'll be right back. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Steven. Hey. We're back. We're talking about Scarlet Nexus. We're talking about Kasane. Kasane Randall, she's here, the other protagonist yeah. of the I'm, game. What I'm interested in, I think, in, in terms of uh, just hearing you talk about Kasane's story, is if we can, by the time this episode is over, have a definitive answer if people ever ask us which character to start with. Yeah, that's a great question. Okay, I'm so excited to share my half of this with you. Yeah. So... Uh, just to open with the protagonist, I really loved Kasane. I thought she was great. I feel like Kasane is what I like about Cloud Strife, but a lot of other yeah. uh, video game protagonists who try to emulate Cloud miss is that the appeal of Cloud is his change. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the change from like wannabe fuckboy to like an actually good person. Yeah. And Kasane like is cool from the start. Like she's always cool, but she's very cold and she's very 
literally disconnected from the world. Mm. The only person that she really cares about is her sister, Naomi. So I guess a little bit of background. The very, very beginning is pretty much the same for Kasane. It opens with that like OSF recruitment scene. Yeah. And Kasane has has been adopted into the Randall family. We don't really get a lot of info on them, but we know that they like manufacture weapons and they're very wealthy. Okay. So like maybe more in Scarlet Nexus 2, uh, but the Randall family is kind of like MIA for most of it. There's a there's a very interesting undercurrent of like all of these kids are extremely rich and privileged. Yes, everyone that, has Black Eagles energy for sure. Yeah, they're all it doesn't from like really, the 1%. Yeah, it doesn't really go explored at all or like interrogated. It just like is the case. At least <laughs> at least on Uita's side. It's I think it comes up in some conversations that I've had and I think I'll ask once I'm done I'll, I want to hear about like the support scenes UE2 had with Kasane's crew. Yeah. Cause like there were certain conversations that came up a lot with Yuito's crew with Kasane that I wonder if you got mm. the same. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Kasane uh, joins the OSF. She was adopted into the Randall family uh, who manufacture weapons. And it's see, it's very, it's said very often that her parents didn't really see her as a daughter. They didn't treat her like family. Mm. The only person who was nice to her was Naomi, her sister. Yeah. So like the only person Kasane trusts is Naomi. In the beginning, uh, you know, like low stakes beginning chapters, Naomi tells Kasane like, oh, I, I have a crush on Yuito. And Kasane's like, I'm going to make sure Yuito's good enough to deserve you. And that's like literally the only reason you, uh, Kasane talks to Yuito. Yeah. Is to like scout him out for Naomi. Which I is love hilarious. that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, in Yuito's end, that that uh, kind of shows up as like a oh, here's another rising star in the force, mm-hmm. you know, and and we're like kind of commiserating over like being OSF cadets, and isn't that cool? Uh, and I, I loved that. That's pretty much as much as I've played on the other end um, for Kasane's story. But I, I loved that reveal. That it was like oh, that's the only reason that that conversation. <laughs> was very funny. Um, yeah, very good. A uh, similar run into Karen. Uh, and that's also like, I want to drill the point that like the idea of celebrity is really what I was pulled into that went unexplored. Yeah. Like the the idea of like, because I think what's said often later on is that people without powers are really second class citizens, but like all the entertainment and all the media. Yeah, I whiffed on a whole piece of Yuito's story that is about <laughs> like, it actually turns out that he was a dud. He didn't have any, sorry, they're called duds in, in the society. If you don't have a power, yeah. you're, you're called a dud. Uh, it turns out he was a dud. He got he got his powers from Kasane going back in time. Uh, I don't know. There's like a bunch of duds who got experimented on. There's a bunch of shit. Anyway, sorry. I think Luca Luca's also a dud. Yeah, Luca's also a dud. Uh, it's implied that Karen was also a dud. Mm, I didn't know that yeah. on my end. But um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, the beginning's <laughs> fairly the same. The immediate team you get, uh, Shiden, who is kind of the like <laughs> cosmic opposite of what's up. I just honestly like this. This story, the more the more we talk about it out loud to each other, is like this is this is I think what I feared when I loaded up near Automata for the first time. <laughs> you know? Like having uh, heard a lot about it and like loading into it and like seeing the character models in that game and stuff. Like this this story is almost the worst case scenario for what near Automata could have been. And like that game just transcends fucking everything. Which I right really appreciate and like this is almost like a like a like a cautionary tale for like future <laughs> near games or whatever because there's so many incredible ideas that are set up i mean all right we're talking about the idea of celebrity we're talking about the idea of privilege and wealth and right. and, and status in society 
and the fu- the fucking game ends with a Kingdom Hearts like we're friend we have friends and you don't and that's why we win <laughs> boss battle that's like so like I was laughing out loud during those scenes at what should have been the emotional climax of the game yeah the only thing that hit me in the way that was like oh yeah this rules was just seeing all of the characters show up on screen again for the last time i, I love that doing i, I want to yeah, yeah do it doing their like psy- psychic links and like saying their taglines right before i used everybody's powers at the same time like that was I think, it i think that worked because that's something you've been doing the whole game and then yeah. it gave it the emotional way it deserved yes. in the final moments yeah I am a little bit less harsh on the ending than you, but I think we'll explore why. As yeah, I go yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I keep no, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> so back to Sheedan. Uh, Sheedan is like the Felix, like rival uh, electric powers. Um, yeah. Just real high and mighty. Yeah. Yeah. He, he constantly sees everything as a competition. What I love about Sheedan is that it's eventually revealed that he has like a very loving family that always call him. And they're like, how's my little prince really? doing? And like, yeah. And he's like, shut up mom. And like that really endeared Oh my God. Him. That's like, awesome. I had no yeah. idea. And weirdly, he's like one of the first people Kasane kind of warms up to. And like, they have a really nice platonic relationship where like, cause Kasane is, you know, like just outclassing him in every area. And Sheedan is trying to, be better than her right and their bond episode ends with like his hometown under attack by others and they both just save the day together like it's way and you play through it like you actually have to fight the others and it's like a lot for two characters like even in the game yeah and it's a really great moment because like only until then is she just happy that like you accomplished the mission. He's not concerned with numbers or who did better. He's like, we saved our family. Like we did the impossible. I'm, I'm just happy that like my family is safe. Oh, that's nice. Um, and after that moment, there's a guard, I think on Yuito's squad, or there's like a, another general who like sacrifices himself to save Kasane at one point who she like really looked up to. And after that be, he starts wearing his mask, like, you know, as a cosmetic. Oh, hell yeah. That's great. Which like, I loved that. That was a really great arc for him. And like, what's really fun is that their bond episode ends with, with Kasane being like, we don't have to force a friendship. We should probably just be teammates. And he's like, what? I mean, oh yeah, that's probably for the best. And like, <laughs> they don't ever say like, you're my friend. Like, it's a very well-written scene that they like, of course their relationship would peak at them saying, let's not be friends. Yeah. But like, What's underneath the surface is incredible. Oh my god, that's so nice. It was so good. So Sheedan, I really loved. I, yeah. I thought that he, uh, you know, he's written in a very tropey way. He's like the like Sundara rival character. Yeah, he hates Yuito. <laughs> hates him. And you have you have a lot of support scenes. One of the things that we didn't mention is uh, you have a lot of support scenes with the other crew essentially like yeah you know, like kasane's crew will like hit you up on the sly secretly Same, and be like yeah. hey do you want to meet up at this bar and like just have a chat because like i don't know what the fuck is going on between you and kasane yeah. but like <laughs> maybe we should hang out and and Sheedan keeps pulling you to the bar uh i forget what it's called but he keeps pulling you to the bar to uh to be like kasane really wants to kill you man like re- <laughs> like and I personally don't think that you have it in you to survive. <laughs> He's like, you got to do a lot more training. You got to really like work out your shit because like she's going to kick your ass. She is way better than you in like every regard. And and he keeps like framing it as like, I'm just trying to warn you. And Yuito's like, you're being an asshole to me is what you're doing. You're that's just telling so me that I suck and you're better than me is all that's happening over and over again. I guess I might talk about the other characters too, just to kind of like focus on the positives. 
before I go through the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kiyoka is definitely like the mom of the group. Um, she's like a, a very um, established member of the OSF who can duplicate herself. Actually, I might save her story for when we go to, through the plot because there's like a big reveal with her, as you alluded to earlier with the. Yeah. Is it Togetsu? The Togetsu, moon yes. cult? Yes, yeah, Togetsu. You've got Arashi, who's my favorite, who is the like the celebrity of the OSF. Yeah. There are posters of her in every city. She fights with a chainsaw and she's super fast. She rules. She's so fun because she's like on camera. She like, you know, puts on this face that she's like, you know, this this idol, essentially. Um, And then off camera, she's like extremely lazy, uh, but is also like a genius hacker. It sounds so silly, but like it really works like her. Her attitude about stuff is so analytical that like she's so intelligent to the point where she's like, I'm not going to exert any effort unless I know exactly what to do. Yeah. Which I think really complements her power of super speed, because, of course, someone who can like run as fast as the flash would be lazy. You know, it's like, (laughs) I'll do that later. I can do it in like a second later. Yeah. I really appreciate how much time she spent sleeping in the hideout. Yeah, really good. She's great. I gave her like really fancy sunglasses. Another character who needs sunglasses. Mm. She's always kind of tired. And like, <laughs> I just I really thought she was great. And there's there's a team bond episode with her like at the center of it. That's so funny where they're all like competing. Like she's slowly taking up more and more room space in the hideout. So they have a video game competition to like if she loses, she can uh, reduce the space she's taking up in the apartment or yeah. in the like the hideout but everyone is using their superpower while playing the game and it's so funny to see like like she then uses it and, and completely fries the controller so he can't play anymore uh you know arashi's using it to like mess up other people's uh it's it's so funny to see like x-men power applied to like you know they're playing like a jockey nes game yeah and i think another another theme of this game that this game explores that's really interesting is this idea that like old technology has an appeal in an augmented reality world yeah i love i love Sheedan is like really into cameras he's into cameras uh arashi is really into old pcs and old video games like she yeah. loves like the kind of analog hardware so like i i found that just like a really subtle detail that made the world feel very lived in mm. you know it's like of course that would be like sort of like a i mean it's sort of like how you know vinyl has a romantic appeal in a reality where everything is streamed yeah like it's the same idea and it feels like a very that's the stuff that I think comes from good sci-fi where they're seeing where things are going and they're like, what's like a more like mundane version of this? Like forget the moon and the others. Like what, how do people live in this world? Forget the, game, the moon, forget the moon, forget the others. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so Rosh is great. You also have Kagero who is really great. Uh, he, he comes off as like a Sylvain, like he's very flirty um, there's a really funny scene where like Kagero tries to take Kasanaya on a date and they go to like an abandoned theme park and he's like, oh, here's the crane game. Like, you know, I'll win a teddy bear for you. And he just sucks and can't do it. Kasanaya's <laughs> like, give me it. And she just uses her psychic powers to lift up a bear and take it out. Right. <laughs> like she doesn't even bother doing it. That was great. And then it's revealed that, you know, post Togetsu stuff, he is actually from the moon. Right. Which sounds yeah. stupid, but like he was one of the people 
in the time where people were were on the moon going back to Earth, he was employed by Togetsu to be like a sleeper agent on Earth. Yeah. Uh, to like sabotage stuff if things went a certain way. Right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mention this on my end, but like there is essentially like a war, like a cold war happening between the moon and Earth in a way yeah. where, uh, you know, they the moon's original idea or the people on the moon, that colony, their original idea was like, oh, we'll hang out here until we can repopulate the earth. And at a certain point they were like, actually life on the moon is pretty fucking tight. And the people on the earth suck and we're better than them. (laughs) Uh, And they, they uh, it's, I guess implied or said outright. I don't remember which one, but in my head, uh, the the moon kind of like sent the extinction belt to earth to kind of keep them trapped on earth. Exactly right. Yeah. And basically, Kagero has been like he does shifts of being like cryogenically frozen with Togetsu and uh, I won't go too into like his like triple agent life because that's like a lot of twists and a lot of stuff. Yeah. What I find really interesting about him is that his driving force as a character is that his wife and daughter were on the moon and it's revealed at a certain point that Togetsu's main end goal is to use the red strings power to prevent all of this from happening. They're like, this is getting so fucked up that it, it's better for us to all travel back in time and not even like erase all these events from ever happening. Yeah. So like they want to undo history to get a clean slate. And Kogero's <sighs> main mission is like, he just wants his wife and daughter to have existed. Like that's like his main mission is like he, his wife and daughter have been dead for 2000 years. He doesn't want their existence to be erased, which like is really sad. It's such a sad fate for a character. And his whole vibe is like he once he opens up, he reveals that he kind of just feels like a ghost and his power is invisibility, which I love the characters who have powers that really match like their character. Oh, yeah, totally. And the fact that he's just sort of like, I'm just like I'm going through the motions to satisfy to get to so they don't like fuck everything up. But all I really care about is like that they lived their life and that's not going to be undone. That's all I really care about. Please forgive me, dear listener, if you're if you're uh, tuned into this episode of this podcast and you're like a big Scarlet Nexus fan before I you know, before I say what I'm about to say. But like, it's possible that that whole idea was explained in Yuito's story and I was completely glazed over during it. But I think that's such an important that's such an important concept. I had no idea what Togetsu's like ultimate goal was. I had no oh, idea. Okay. I had no idea what the moon wanted to do. Like being either I missed it, which is very possible, again, to be clear, or that just doesn't show up in Yuito's story, and that's like part of the context that they give you in Kasane's story, you know, to like, I guess, reward you for playing both sides or whatever. But but knowing that their goal is to use the red strings to go so far back in time that none of that had ever happened, I think is like a an actually really simple goal that when explained kind of illuminates a lot of the stuff that I think sucks, at least in Yuito's story. You know, like it it, it retroactively yeah. makes a lot of the stuff that I just described in a very like breathless kind of uh, whiny, the liquid way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that That is so simple. It's so concrete and so... Yeah. It's great. That's a great idea. I love that. Like uh, so obvious, like if you're introducing time travel into this in the first place. So I guess the implication then 
if maybe this is explaining Kasane's story, but the implication, see, it's like, suddenly, I love this turnaround. I feel so powerful. Yeah. This suddenly I understand so much more of this. So I guess the idea is, cause from what I know about uh, the babe computer and uh, don't say that while I'm taking a sip. I know I, I specifically did it while you were taking a sip because I wanted to see you spit it. Um, babe. <laughs> that and uh, what I forget what the other computer uh, our, our Hakabi, I think is the name of the other yeah. computer. The two of them are essentially like brain backups of like just, tons and tons and tons of people who have lived over the 2000 years that Nuhumuka has existed. I guess the idea is that if you can back up those that many brains and use that much brain power simultaneously, you would be able to use a power as strong as red strings without taxing one brain because one brain can't go back that far. But if you're able to use the power of like a shitload of brains that you could hypothetically go back in time far enough to undo everything. There's a reason all those Togetsu uh, people look like Kasane. That's all I'm saying. That's the idea. That's how that works. Yeah. Uh, that's great. <laughs> that's a great idea. That's good sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Togetsu rules. The other factions, confusing. Togetsu, they got their shit together. Okay, so again, either I missed that or I didn't know that because I only played Yuito's side. It's probably only explained. Kasane's story is info heavy. It almost feels like they wanted Yuito to be the first one, but Kasane is actually the better one to start with because you get nothing in Yuito. Yeah, it feels um, that way. Anyway. Uh, other characters, uh, who we got, we got, we get Didarashi, we did Kagero, Kyoko, and Shiden. Those are all the main characters in her crew until, of course, uh, everyone comes back together. It is worth noting, though, that the characters that were, like, briefly in my crew, like, I had Gemma once, and then there was a mission with Sugumi and Hinabi, and those two, like, Kasane really likes. Like, mm. every bond, like, I mentioned this in an earlier episode, but there's a bond scene with Hinabi where they're at a diner. Hinabi's like, I don't want to fight you. Let's just talk about it. And she's like, can you tell me, like, what Yuito's up to so I can kill him more easily? And she's like, no, what? <laughs> and, uh, she like, Gemma, they have, they have good repartee with, but, like, those two Kasane, like, wants on her team, like, yeah. really badly, which yeah. is interesting. Mm. And Kasane is a good leader, actually. Like, once she goes through her own shit. But anyway, that's her story. So really the inciting event for her story, which you kind of mentioned, is Naomi turning into another. And that is really the heart of her story for the first half of it. Because mm -hmm. all she really cares about is turning Naomi back into a human. Uh, like you said, mm -hmm. she's captured... It's revealed that Karen is working. Is it Siren, the other faction? Siren, yeah. Siren and Nuhumuka are both like doing different kind of shitty research. Nuhumuka, it's revealed, are researching like how to turn people into others. Yeah. And Siren are doing kind of like an inverted version of that. So basically, uh, Karen is working with Siren. There are all these others kind of like in a laboratory and including Naomi and you have scenes with Naomi where you talk to her as an other and it's oh, like wow. really haunting. Yeah. And basically it's revealed that like they can keep people who have turned to others. They can keep them sentient as long as they're fed this serum that is like made from human brains. Yes. That I learned. Which is a, yeah. a really horrific thing. And Naomi like has actual dialogue as another being like, I don't want to live anymore. Like kill me. If, if the only way to keep me as myself is to eat human brains, like, please, it's right. not very brain punk of you. Um, <laughs> and, and I think the reason Karen works more for me, Kasane's story is that it's a cautionary tale of who she can become if she doesn't open up, mm. you know, Karen's whole mission is to bring Alice back. 
it's it's pretty it's never yes. said until the end but like it's pretty heavily suggested in this facility that like there's another other that he really cares about and there's sort of an uneasy alliance between Kasane and crew with Karen to like she's like if you promise me you can bring Naomi back I'll do whatever you say oh wow thing. okay so that's kind of why they're like sort of working together and why when you run into Vito and crew, they're like, why are you protecting a facility that has human brains in it? And I don't remember when this happens, but the reason Kasane for a while wants to kill Yuito is I think it's after the bridge scene. It's the first time she uses her red strings power and her and her team end up in the future in like a ruined future. Uh, it's like a dystopian. Yes. Literally the first moment of Kasane's story, just because I've played it at this point, is you. S- it's a dream that she continues to have over and over again about some old guy just being like, you got to kill me to nobody. He's just <laughs> saying out loud, you got to kill me. <laughs> and uh, it having played through Yuito's story, it's very clear that it's old Yuito. It's like Yuito, you know, plus like, yeah, 100 years or whatever, because they all live See, forever. Right. You get to old Yuito's story. He's like the sole survivor in this like nightmarish apocalypse. Yeah. And he basically explains that, like, the power Kasane and Yuto have is not just telekinesis, but it's also time travel. It's, like, literally gravity and, like, it's for this definition. And that the only way to prevent the extinction belt from, like, growing past repair is for Yuito to die. And he reveals, he's like, I knew this and I couldn't take my own life. And now it's too late. This future is like done. You've got to go back and prevent this from happening by killing me. And it's also weird. The only way for Kasane to travel through time is by experiencing a extreme emotional reaction. So like you eat future Yuito kills himself to like get her back in time. Oh, okay. Wild. Yeah. Which is kind of a weird, I guess it's like, it seems like they just write that in. So it's not like she can use it whenever Yeah, a little bit of a weird thing, but it, it works, I guess. So armed with that knowledge, she's like, okay, really all she's running on is like, I want to save Naomi. And I also don't want the end of the world to happen. So I guess I got to really kill Yuito. And her way of like making that easy for herself is to like close herself off from him and from everyone else. Mm. So, like, there's a long time where her teammates, that's probably when Sheedan's like, hey, man, you got to run because, like, she wants to kill you. But all her teammates are kind of uneasy about this. They don't really know. They're not told why. No one else knows about that except for Kasane. And that leads to the scene that I highlighted in one of our episodes that I really loved where Sheedan is like, what the fuck is happening? Just tell us. We've accepted you as our leader. You can't just, like ask us to do something like this without giving us a reason why. Yeah. And that's the beginning of Kasane slowly opening up, which Mm -hmm. like really the heart of her story is like, take away all the factions and all this stuff. Like it's about a person who has like gone through trauma and only trusts one person slowly realizing that there are more people out there that for her to connect with. Hmm. And like, again, it's a simple message, but like, it's done well that I really enjoyed how it played out, especially given that final moment where it's like all the connections happening on screen in that yeah. final moment. And Karen as someone who like, it's the same thing, you know, Kasani is trying to save Naomi. It doesn't care about anything else except for that. That's what Karen is doing with Alice, but like for thousands of years. <laughs> <laughs> so um, eventually, you know, I think it's the Togetsu reveal where like she starts to like reel away from like realize like for a while it's okay we got to kill you Ito and then I (laughs) it's a little bit clumsy but like when they go to Togetsu it's revealed that 
uh, Kiyoka is a spy uh, and her her power is duplication. So like it's hinted early on that she has like another self that she's kind of repressing kind of a uh, higher stakes. She's all that scenario where it's like <laughs> I was hired as a spy, but now I like you kind of thing. Yeah, but she was a spy. Her whole existence was to carry out her mission to like spy on Kasane and everyone. But it's conflicted and Kasane is like, you know, you have agency over which part of you you give power to. Like, we all want the Kyoka we know to come back. And like, just like seeing Kasane have the agency to like talk to her teammates like that, really wonderful. Like everything else can kind of be nonsensical, but like those very human moments I like adored. I really love those. And and Kasane like slowly becoming a powerful leader that can kind of meet her team where they are and like learn to rely on them. Really wonderful. It's funny though, at Sogetsu after that, you meet up with Yuito's team after saving him. They're like, so you know we're all from the moon, right? And everyone's yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, there's, there's this really wonderful scene where both teams are like, well, I guess we're going to stop killing each other. We should just info dump at each other <laughs> everything we've learned up until this point. Yeah, but in Togetsu, Kasane finds out that like that's where she was born. It's where she grew up. She has these childhood memories, really horrific, of like they gave her a dog and then killed the dog to see if it would activate the red strings because oh, wow. they knew it was like only going to be... It was like an emotive response. Yeah. yeah, and then it's implied that they kill... like So, same mom as Yuito. It's implied that like if they kill her mom, maybe they can trigger it. So, mm-hmm. like that happens, but it doesn't actually happen because she gets taken away. So, like she gives birth to Kasane in Togetsu and then I think she leaves with Yuito's father and then has Yuito with him elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how it happens with her mom. But Togetsu's fun too because Kagero like saves the day by turning everyone invisible, which is how you save Yuito. Right. Uh, and like his brain is busted. You gotta help him. <laughs> There's a great scene too. I don't know if you got it because I, I don't know if it was from his perspective or not, but like jumping ahead a bit, there's a point where Yuito is hooked to the babe computer and is like, it's not a good idea. He's like on the brink of losing all his memories and just being like basically like erased as a person. Yeah. Every team member uses their power to bring him back. Oh, that's cool. It's re- it's a great scene. Like they're like, OK, like Hanabi, like make sure his like body temperature is high enough. Shiden like brings him back his heart beating with his electricity. Oh, wow. Like, ev- everyone uses their power. And then Kasane, I think like it's the earpiece uh, she gave him that like connects his past memories. So like oh. everyone else only has his current memories, but he gets his past memories from Kasane. Yeah. So you're uh, from Yuito's angle. That scene plays out with uh, essentially him in this like it looks like the brain field or the brain drive kind of yeah. space um and you see all of these memories that like some are yours and some aren't just kind of like floating around and you kind of walk through them and they just kind of like explode uh and you wake up later and you, like with kind of no memory of what had happened i didn't even mention this but yuito keeps passing out like he he yeah he, his brain is real fucked up um as a person who was a dud who got powers through like some kind of you know mysterious ways uh, via Kasane in the past. He got experimented a lot on a lot as a kid, you know, because he was like confirmed as a dud and then suddenly had powers for reasons that nobody could really explain. And because of that, the new Humuka government would like just subject him to tests constantly and give him all of these like strange formulas that would kind of enhance his powers or whatever over and over and over again, uh, which really fucked him up. Um, Him and Luca both are going through this thing where like they might actually just lose their powers entirely and they're losing their memories kind of one by one uh which is 
rough. Uh, so yeah. there, there are a bunch of instances in which you'll be like mid boss fight and Yuita will just pass out and then wake up. Oh later my God. And just like wake up later and like everyone on his team will have to explain to him what happened and like how they got out of it. Wow. Yeah. So what leads you to Togetsu is that like the brains are coming from there for the facility to keep Naomi sentient. Right. So, you know, obviously it's from clones and like, you know, all, all that's fine. But then there's a scene when you go back and, uh, I don't know what her deal is in Yuito story, but there's like a shapeshifter character who's like a villain. Who shows up for like one second in Yuito story. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know what her deal is. She shows up and everybody's like, you're famous. We know who you are. And then she's like, <laughs> I'm famous. And then leaves. Okay. So she's never explained then, but there's actually she a She feels scene. like DLC fodder. She feels like there's going to be like, <laughs> like a big DLC campaign that's just about her and that's it. There's a scene where like she and what appears to be Arashi's brother, but is just her sibling who's a shapeshifter. Duh. Uh, <laughs> they are leading the human born others. So like it's revealed that one of the factions is making people into others to kind of create like an army essentially. Mm-hmm. So there's like you know, the two warring factions and then there's Togetsu who are like, let's just reset the whole timeline. That's basically what's happening on a broad spectrum. What I loved is that, so this scene is kind of confusing and I don't even remember the setup for it, but Naomi is there and like in a last moment of humanity, Naomi communicates to the other human born others to like help fight. And like Naomi as an other like sacrifices her life to like save everyone. Oh, wow. Really powerful. It's really a cool scene. Um, and one of those other others was Alice who Karin is trying to save oh. over again. Wow. So like. It's a big moment, like Kasane losing Naomi should be the origin story of her becoming a villain. But because she had been opening herself up, like she's like, I need to honor her life by moving forward. I yeah. can't live in the past. And that's really what her story is about. And that's what Karin is doing. Karin is refusing, you know, simplify this as much as you can. Karin is not able to deal with the grief of losing a loved one and is constantly trying to go back to find closure. And Kasane is, is willing to be like, I can honor her memory. She will always be with me in my memory and I need to move forward for her. I need to live for her on her behalf. Yeah. That is a very beautiful message. I think, you know, it's, it could, it could be a little corny, but like, I think in the structure of the game and how they're exploring those ideas of connection and trauma through these sort of like technology melded with the brain really works like literally making connections with people and, and getting more powerful, the more you're connected, very simple stuff. But like the ability to like, I need to move forward. I need to let go of the past. Like I enjoyed that, especially in a story where like all the villains are trying to undo mistakes and aren't willing to like accept that and move on. It's become so clear to me hearing you talk about this, that like the move is play Kasane's story. And if you really <laughs> liked it, then play Yuito's. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I'm excited to play Yuito's and, and see what's going on. Um, Can but, you do yeah, me a favor? Like, actually, and please. We, we have to talk about it on the podcast. Play Yuito's story. Get back to me and tell me if my read is fucking terrible. Because it's so possible that I was so, like, closed off to even allowing a good story to happen at a certain point that I just, like, didn't allow myself to enjoy it. 
And I was just in it for like Bond episodes and character moments and combat. Because Kasane, I mean, what you're telling me about Kasane's story sounds fucking great. I mean, yeah, that's that's the experience that I wanted to have out of this game. And it, it, it now occurs to me that like most of the reviews and conversation I've seen online about the game being so effusive about Scarlet Nexus are all from people who played Kasane's story. And like maybe that's just the reason is that that story is just better in most ways. It may be. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I will get back to you on that and I'll talk about it on the show. But I mean, there's even the conversation like the Luca Bond episode with Kasane. Luca's at the beginning is like, you remind me a lot of my brother, Karen. And then eventually he's like, yeah, you don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that relationship with the antagonist is really fun. And like, I do think Karen is not a great villain. I don't think he's like either empathetic enough or evil enough to be interesting. Yeah, I agree. like he's kind of in the middle conceptually, though. So eventually the, the crews team up and basically you're, you know, you're able to with Yuito and Kasane's power combined, like almost save the day. But you need Karen to undo the shit he did when he time traveled. Right. And he's, you know, doing his thing um, really so we critique the level. The level leading up to the Karin encounter is like every level you've done already, which is just like, why? But the encounter with Karin rules. The best other design. It's so creepy. Yeah. It's so cool. I loved it. I really loved it. This is the thing. Af- after the, the labyrinthian trek down the Sumeragi tomb towards where Karin is, being like just kind of a rehash of everything you've done before, fighting the same enemies, fighting just like too many enemies, if I'm being yeah. totally honest. Just like... yeah. There are moments where I was like, like, you know, more would spawn in and out loud. I'd be like, oh, my God, like, really? I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing. I just couldn't believe it. And then you go and you fight Karin and that fight is so like, so first you just fight him straight on just you versus him and it rules. And then he eventually kind of like. I don't even know like how really, but like kind of becomes another, I guess, or like, yeah, it's revealed that if you're like near the extinction belt, the particles from that space are what make others. So like he's almost halfway between that, but there are like a bunch of like almost like Kabuki theater, like demons that have like various like masks and stuff. And it's so fucking cool. Like, it it's such a good fight. Yeah, that fu- that fight was exhilarating, and it was one it was one of the first times in a in a while in that game too, where I was like really like teeth clenched, didn't know if I was gonna make it through. Like like difficult. You know, it, it was everything you wanted out of a last boss fight in a game like this. Yeah. You know, it like really like the spectacle was off the charts there. And then once you beat that fight, then Karin comes back, and it's just you and him. And that's where you mentioned like slowly, you know, you, it's just you and him and you're kind of outmatched, but slowly but surely the link ups keep happening. You see the characters do their like, it's very important that they do the same action they do whenever you link up because it's something you've been doing the whole game. Yeah. And it's, it's that, that made me cheer out loud. I loved that. Yeah. I really loved that. It feels like, um, I guess without spoiling it for those of you who haven't played it, but it feels like the time skip in uh, Fire yeah. Emblem Houses. You know, like yes, that your mo- friends showing up. Yeah, yes. that moment was like, oh, yeah, yeah. This, this And it is- hits especially hard with Kasane because her whole story is like, you can't do this by yourself. Like life isn't meant to be lived by yourself. This is the thing. I mean, that, that that's, a, that's a message that is like really driven home on Yuito's end. That is like out of fucking nowhere. It's like the whole game was leading up to this. What what do you what do you mean? It's about the power of friendship. That doesn't make any fucking sense. It's not what his story was about at all until this right. point. And Kasane's story sounds like that was exactly what it was about. And that's it exactly. sounds like a wonderful emotional payoff for the thing that you've been experiencing the whole time. <laughs> 
And, you know, so it, the game basically ends like Karin does a heel turn where he essentially, after traveling through time thousands of times to save the person he loves, he ends up erasing his own existence for the better of the future. Yeah. Which like conceptually is brilliant. I just wish I knew the character better to like feel that. Yeah. You know, cause there's a, there's a moment where like Alice shows up and she's like, Hey, what's up? And you had just had a funeral for Karen and they mentioned him. And she's like, should I know him? Who's that? And she like that, that yeah. moment I thought was very cool. And the fact that like now this crew are the only people on earth that like live with the knowledge of the past yeah. is really cool. And that's again, fodder for a sequel. And we'd even mentioned this is, this is the final bond scene between Yuito and Kasane. They both talk about their plans for the future. Yes. It's a great scene. Yuito is like, I want to stay on Earth and I want to help people here. I want to create a better society that doesn't undervalue people who don't have psychic powers, make a society where everyone is treated equally. And Kasani is like, that's cool. I'm going to go to the fucking moon, dude, yeah. and see what's up there. Because it seems like people need help there, too. Like, others are also on the moon. So I'm going to go to the moon. And that... Oh my god, when you beat the game, Yuito and Kasane <laughs> walk back to the title screen, they help each other up. And the whole time Kasane was looking at the moon and Yuito was looking at the ground like slouched. Yeah. And like it's beautiful. they had that plan from the first draft of the story. That's what I am very impressed by. Like, yes, clumsy execution, so much to critique, but like they had a plan, and that is so admirable. Mm-hmm. And like the setup for the sequel could not be better because Kasane's on the moon. What else do you want? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I so Karen deletes himself from existence for a better future. There's still others. There's still stuff. And then after after the if you beat this game, wait until after the credits. I'll be honest. Before the credits, I was like, oh, is that it? And then after the credits, you get to talk to everyone in your squad. They all talk about their plans for the future. It seems like they're directly setting up like who is staying on Earth and who is going to the moon. Yes. Which I imagine in the sequel will literally be that. It'll be those characters on the moon and those characters on Earth, which like sounds yeah. fucking rad. Like I love that. So I don't know, man. I think. It definitely sounds, unless I'm just doing, unless I'm just easier to please, it sounds like Asana's story is the one to play. Yeah, very much. Uh, I'm missing out some stuff, but to me, the heart of the story was like someone who who has closed themselves off to the world slowly opening up, which like is simple, but it's done well. And I really loved her as a lead. And to see her become a leader that like people trusted, you know, going from like, I want to kill this guy because I got a cryptic message from him in the future. And I'm not going to tell you to like someone who people on both sides confide in really dramatic growth and like a really cool character. Um, lo- love Kasane. Yeah. Big fan. That, that sounds fucking good, man. That sounds great. <laughs> wow. I think again, I think it's a testament to how wonderful everything else in this game is that I yes. played what is very clearly now the much worse story and still had a great time and wanted to like tell people to pick this game up. Um, yeah, absolutely. But uh, honestly, like I on for real, Steven, I think like next episode we record like, like next like regular episode we record. The first thing I want to do is I want to say out loud on the show, play Kasane's story first. <laughs> Because the process of recording this bonus episode has completely like altered the way I, I will talk about this game from now on. I love that. Yeah, Kasani rules. Sounds like it. I'm excited to play Yuito's story. Like, there's there's enough intrigue in Yuito. And honestly, the point in which Kasane wants to kill Yuito and Yuito's like, hey, can we just talk? I was like, yeah, Yuito, thank 
God, someone said it. Can we just yeah. sit down and talk, please? And it eventually happens and it's great. You find out we're from the moon. What else do you want? Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I I have a special place in my heart for this game. It's got a lot to critique like anything does. But like, again, so much ambition is going to lead to highs and lows. And I think at the end of the day, this game had more highs for me. And I am really excited to see where it goes next. Yeah. I as a as a personal favor to me, I really do want you to circle back and tell me what you think about your story. Because I think <laughs> I, I think will, there's I a will. very real possibility that you're gonna be like, Brendan, you fucking idiot. You missed everything <laughs> that was good about it. It's like on the same level and you just com- it just completely whiffed uh, out the window while you were driving. But um, I'm, I'm sure that won't be the case. It's possible, though. So <laughs> please yeah. let me know. I, I'm, I'm really interested. But that said, I, I've like I said, I've already started playing Kasane's story uh, and it's great already. Um, and I can't wait to keep going with it. I mean, this is a game I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish, which, you know. As, as we've said time and time again on the show, like it's kind of rare for us, I think, sometimes. 2021, strangely enough, a lot of games that are uh, really begging to be finished, which is nice. And uh, for me, this is one of them. I mean, asking me to go through this game again with a better story is not not a hard ask, uh, especially <laughs> if I can go into it with all of the progress I had already uh, yeah. accumulated, which is wonderful. I will say, though, even even if Kasane's story is the better one, like the idea that the reason you're playing is for the cast and for the combat is still true. Yes, like it, that, absolutely. Those are still the strong points. Yeah. But I think that it seems like in Kasane's case, the heart of the story is more intertwined with the Bond scenes and with the characters than in Yuito's case. Because yeah. Yuito seems like a pretty open guy from Go. Like, he seems to be down to hang out. He's a pretty you know? normal dude, yeah. He's, yeah. he's pretty normal, just, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, angsty teen, you know, wants to rebel against his parents. It's kind of the vibe. <laughs> the, the scene in which the team asks Kasane to start saying thank you instead of I'm sorry, like, really... Again, sounds very simple and corny, but it has stuck with me. And it's something that I've actually like applied to my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like thanking people for being there for you instead of apologizing for your own faults, which like ties directly into her whole growth. Yeah. Uh, chef kiss. That's really nice. Yeah. She's do, cool. She's got remember, knives. She's got white hair. There was one point. I don't remember where both of us were in the in the story, but uh, there was one point where you were like, I'm really excited to like play Yuito's story and learn more about his dad and his brother. And I was like, yeah, me too. It's strange that I haven't yet because <laughs> everyone mentions them all the fucking time. And then eventually when it does happen, it's like this one kind of like boardroom sequence that is so nothing. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for you to play it and get back to me. I like I'm excited. Oh, great. I am yeah, really good. Um, hey, here's the deal. Scarlet Nexus is a really wonderful game. I know I, I just dunked on it a lot from my perspective, but there's a lot to love here. Even if you play Yuito's story first, like the game is still really fun, really good, worth finishing. Yeah. I had a great time playing it, even though it was very silly and not satisfying uh, from a narrative perspective. But that said, it sounds like Kasane's story is really wonderful. So if you want the best of all worlds, that's probably the direction to go. You're still going to have some issues, right? Like the that highway sequence is not good. Highway scene sucks. <laughs> Too much stuff going on. The 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 tension between the teams was unnecessary. Bad mouth in feel. retrospect. Yeah. Bad mouth feel. But great characters. Kasane is cool. And the lessons of opening your heart up a little bit are well received. And we're going to the moon in the sequel. We're going to the moon in the sequel. You, if enough you, people play it. Me. What I, from what I know about this game, it did not sell super well. 
And I'm hoping there's kind of like a little bit of a groundswell. And I'm hoping maybe the anime kind of points people in that direction, um, mm. which is why I'm excited to watch the anime. Uh, Me too. It's on Funimation. I have an account. I'll watch it. I think it's also on be, YouTube. I think it might be free. I will be very sad if I can't see what happens to Kasane on the moon. That's like really what I'm living for. Yeah, right me now. too. Honestly, that that really is kind of the like wonderful uh, potential future. I forget. Does, <laughs> does Kagura want to go to the moon? Is he also on that squad? He has to go to jail first, which is very funny. He's like, I got actually have to pay for my crimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the ones who want to go to the moon are Kagero, Arashi, Sugumi. I think it might be those three. All right. That sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, those are my three favorite, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, anyway, all that said, uh, the game is good. I'm glad that I played it. Uh, I'm glad we did a bonus episode about it and uh, I'm going to keep playing it. Yeah. This is definitely, I think, the most brain punk episode we've made. I had a lot <laughs> of wine. <laughs> this episode was fun to record. Um, but, uh, you know, Scarlet Nexus. It's available on uh, next gen, previous gen, future gens, maybe. Do you like going fast? Do you like <laughs> fire, electricity, invisibility, duplication, super shields? Dude, I was so upset when I, f- I first got my hands on the duplication power at like chapter 10 of 12 of the game. And I was like, this is the most exhilarating best shit ever. And I'm, I wish I had had this the whole time. Honestly, too, I'm going to I want to rub it in in this in this end. <laughs> I think Kasane's team has the better powers, too. I think so. Yeah, I agree. Super speed and duplication alone are really good. Like, electricity, I, I think fire is probably better than electricity. Fire seems to do, like, a lot of damage, and it's, like, really fun. Yeah. Um, I would say the best powers on Yuito's crew are the super shield and fire. And on Kasane's crew, it's duplication and hyperspeed. Invisibility is, like, very okay. Like, it, it, it doesn't really serve a, I didn't use it really at all. Yeah. Yeah, you have to use it like for like a story reason at one point, and that's basically it. Because hyperspeed does the same thing for the enemies, where you have to like get in a hit. Yeah. Um, and the combat is so fast. It's like invisibility wants you to like do a backstab. It doesn't do that much. Yeah, it I, wasn't. It wasn't that effective. Yeah. That was why I stopped using it. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah this, this doesn't really help. The idea of of Scarlet Nexus as a stealth game was like so unappealing to me as right. soon as they introduced it. Clairvoyance I thought was cool, but a little bit also kind of dependent on the scenario. Teleportation didn't help Kasane as much, I think, as I think Yuito would, because she's more like mid-range than close range. Yeah, I actually want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we don't have to yeah. get super into it because we're like pretty much wrapping up at this point. But I, yeah. having played as Kasane a little bit now, um, I, I'm interested to see how you feel about playing as Yuito, because the, the big difference between them mechanically is that Kasane is, you know, mid to long range. Yuito is very much up close and personal. And that's his whole shit. And Kasane, to me, feels like a breath of fresh air. I think Yuito is maybe, again, just kind of highlighting that Kasane is maybe the one to start with. Um, <laughs> Yuito is a little bit more difficult i think because you have to be so close to everything always mm, having right. that little bit of distance is really helpful and i think that's why yuito has gamma on his side to like make him invincible every once in a while makes sense it, yeah. it comes in so clutch so frequently to have that power and also clairvoyance to allow the um the perfect dodge to have a, like a wider gap there really boost your survivability in a way that you really need because you're so close to things. What's great about duplication too is when you throw something, it throws multiple versions of it. Yes, so like it's the best. You can throw three trucks at someone. Like I found duplication coupled with like eventually you can connect with the other protagonists. So like Kasane connecting with Yuito, you have like extra powerful yes. telekinesis. So like 
doing that with duplication oh my god amazing really fun yeah yeah um so i i'm interested to see how you feel about playing as yuito because right now playing as kasane and it might just be because i have all of the upgrades that i had but just because it's a little bit of a more like long range mid-range scenario just feels like easier and breezier and a little bit more fun uh which is interesting because I already like the combat a lot. Like that is really the thing that propelled me through the game. So the fact that uh, Kasane is maybe even more fun is kind of cool. Uh, I think you'll find it interesting because it'll be more challenging. Like you'll have to yeah. be more creative about the powers you're using and like really keeping an eye on cooldowns for Gemma and for Sugumi. Like I think that'll be fun. I think that'll be like a cool challenge to add on to it. Yeah, I think so too. I think in the beginning... Uh, Kasane's survivability was low because like I had to rely on hyperspeed to like get out of tricky scenarios. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so that's like weirdly her defensive option. A lot of times, like let me slow down time because time slows down and you like run super fast, which is, it's so cool. It's one of the coolest powers. It's very cool. Yeah. It's funny too. It's like, it's the power of the celebrity. She's like, yeah, I know it's good. (laughs) Uh, great game. I, I, I again, I, you know, I think this comes with a lot of caveats, but like I, I do feel good about telling people to support this game. Yeah. Because I really want to see what happens on the moon. Please. <laughs> hey, thank hey. you all so much for listening to this episode of Into the Aether, a low key video game podcast. This has been a bonus episode. The bonuses are essentially provided by our patrons, if you go to patreon.com slash into the cast and back the show, if anyone ever, our rule is, as long as there is one patron of the show, we will do a monthly bonus episode like this, a deep dive onto one video game like Scarlet Nexus uh, for the PlayStation 5 and also other platforms. Uh, so thank you all so much to uh, the the patrons who are back in the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, if back in the show puts you in any financial strain, literally at all, please do not back the show. It is okay. Totally fine. That said, thank you all so much to those of you who are doing that. If you back the show, you also get patron-only bonus episodes. Uh, We have one that is about E3 2021, which is a very strange experience. Uh, (laughs) One from this month as well. uh, That's just like a standard Q&A that Steve and I did that was really fun. Uh, And next month's is going to be uh, like a making of Into the Aether. Uh, So we are gathering questions that people might have about like how to make a podcast and how we make this podcast and et cetera, et cetera. AJ is going to be on the show. We're going to talk a lot about like the technical uh, process and things like that. So uh, yeah, it's cool shit. Anyway, all that said, uh, we'll, we'll be back next week with more episodes of the podcast. And my name is Brennan Bigley. <laughs> you can find me on the internet at Brennan Bigley. Is there more stuff? Oh, into the cast online is where links are. So you can, you know, go click on those and they'll take you to cool websites. My name is Steven Lager. <laughs> I was adopted by a company that makes weapons and my adoptive sister was the only one who showed me any kindness <laughs> because of this. My heart had a wall over it. It's not funny. But it's it very was serious. Sl- <laughs> it's very serious. I need to stop laughing. Yeah. Can you not make fun of my past? Can you not f- anyway, <laughs> I'm from the Randall family. Um, <laughs> I got you at that one. Uh, my name is Stephen Hilger. You find me at Stephen Hilger. We love doing these next month is going to be the Mass Effect trilogy. Very excited for that. Ugh. Specifically the re- the legendary edition which we've been playing. Uh I'm on the third game. My god, will that be a fun one? Tune in next month on Into <laughs> the Aether, a Loki video game podcast. Goodbye. Thank you everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.